Hello, my fellow listeners. Welcome to episode 105 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. As I talk professional wrestling and give my honest opinion about the news I read and the shows I watch. For those who are new to my podcast, I am the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. It's your boy, Shino D. Phoenix. And I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode and taking the time to listen to this podcast. This Sunday, we got AEW Revolution. And I will be giving my predictions on the show for this. And uh, we got news coming out of AEW. We're going to talk briefly about the women's tournament, how I feel about it, who I think is going to be going to AEW in the future, who's one name that stood out in the tournament. I mean, I think we all know the answer is. And um, we're going to talk about the finals of the women's tournament, talk about the go-home show. We got news regarding NWA. We're going to talk about the Wednesday Night Wars that is about to come to an end. Hallelujah, 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 yeah. Thank God, because I don't like seeing these fucking comparisons, and it's going to be worth listening, guys, because I have a lot to say on why this is a great move for one brand. But as you guys know, before we get into the wrestling stuff, I did... Watch the season finale of WandaVision. It is fantastic. I cried. I was excited. It just hits so much emotions. And all I can say is this. I'm not going to spoil nothing. All you got to do is sign up to your Disney Plus. If you don't have a Disney Plus, sign up. I mean, what are you waiting for? Like, watch WandaVision. Watch all the episodes from season one. You'll thank me later, and you will know why it's one of my favorite uh, Disney Plus originals, along with The Mandalorian. So, that's that. But, um, really, really good stuff. Also, I want to mention on Twitch, I just reached 150 followers, even though I rarely talk numbers that much. But you might as well say it. I've been promoting my Twitch nonstop, and, um, it's a habit. I do this all the time. I want people to know that I do live stream. I got back into it. And I've been making some really good friends here on Twitch. And I will be streaming on Saturday. I don't know what I'm going to stream. I'm thinking about doing Overwatch again. Or maybe doing Fall Guys to get my 80th victory. Or maybe do Left 4 Dead again. Because that was fun. I love playing Left 4 Dead. It's one of my favorite games. Um... Anyway, anyway, with all that aside, make sure, let's do the usual social media role. If you have a Twitter, I'm on Twitter nonstop. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Phoenix. I do live tweet for wrestling shows that I watch, like Raw, which, look, there was two good moments on the show. The rest was just bland, all right? There's your little spoiler for how, how I feel about Monday Night Raw. Uh, I do live tweet for NXT on a rare occasions. I do live tweet for NXT UK. Um, I live tweet for SmackDown, AEW, and whether it's Impact or New Japan, if I watch those, 
I will live tweet on occasions on a rarity. And, um, yeah. You can find me there. And I also tweet about video games. And, um, I also tweet when I go live. So, it's a new routine for me now. A really good routine. But speaking of Twitch, if you do have a Twitch channel, make sure you follow me, Shino Phoenix. I like I said, I live stream either twice, two days in one week. I'm trying to make that a thing right now. That way, people could see how who I really am. I like interacting with new people. I like meeting new people on Twitch. I, I'm just so glad I'm back in the Twitch community, and hopefully, we reach. And I think the next goal. Reach either 1,000 followers on Twitch, get some subs, probably work on some emotes. I mean, I have like I have a list of emotes that I that I got planned. Just throwing that out there, and I'm probably gonna think of more. So, till I find the right person or the right people, I would gladly, I would gladly be honored if they use some of my ideas. And I think that would be so much fun. But make sure you follow me on Twitch at uh, Shino Phoenix. And if you have an Instagram, follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. That's CYP, by the way. I've been on Instagram a little bit more often, and I've been posting when I go live on Instagram. So I feel like that's what I should be doing. That way you can stay up to date. Even if I do wrestling. And I just realized, even if I post the episode up, it's just not going to be, it's not going to matter. But when I go, when I post stuff on Twitch, when I go live, I think that's where it mattered the most. But I might try and do it again, but I usually post wrestling stuff as well on uh, Instagram. So follow me, Cool Man Sip, CYP. I'm thinking about changing that to uh, Shino Phoenix, I guess. But who knows? I- I'll think about it. Just... Just a hinch. Just a little hinch. And finally, if you have a Facebook, and this is for all my Facebook friends out there, to the Facebook users, I do have a Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. That way you could uh, show love to my, uh, my podcast. I do post the episodes up here. And if there's an update on what happened, I will let you guys know on here. So... Make sure you show some love to my Facebook page. And it was... And just like it. That's why I post the episodes here first. And that way you can stay up to date. So, that's that. Um, so, without further ado, all that aside... Let's get right into the show. And let's talk AEW. I only got like one, two, three, four, five. Six news stories to talk, but I know they just announced that uh, Sean Dean, if I'm correct, I don't know if I pronounced it right, I think it is Sean Dean, um, he has signed with um, AEW, and I say congratulations to him, man, really, congratulations to uh, Sean Dean, he deserves it, I think he's gonna go big, in um and uh AEW when that time comes so I don't have a problem with it I don't have a problem with this at all but the story we want to talk about 
and I might as well start Revolution. There will be, and I think this is a really great move on AEW's part. They're going to be shown in select movie theaters. So you know what? Even if you have to pay like $59.99 or something, I have to order mine on a PS4 because I watch it every time. It's like a tradition for me now. And I will be watching. I will be live tweeting. And I will have my thoughts and reactions about Revolution um, on the podcast. So I'm going to try and be consistent with that one. So when whenever it's a big pay-per-view, I will do like uh, my review on the, the show in general. So be on the lookout for that. Now, AEW Revolution will go down this Sunday... And like I said, I'm going to be live tweeting for the show. Um, And the company has a loaded card complete with an exploding barbed wire death match. Now, some fans will also get an opportunity to view the pay-per-view in a very different way. Um, All Elite Wrestling and Cinemark Theaters have joined forces to present a very special AEW Revolution screening at select theaters on the 7th of March. Now, Tony Khan explained this partnership by touting how big of an event AEW Revolution will be, and that is why they have decided to partner up with the theater chain. Now, he said, I quote, a major event, the scope of Revolution requires the best theater partner in the business, and one one that is capable of delivering an immersive viewing experience for fans in a controlled, socially distanced environment. The obvious choice for AEW was Cinemark Theaters. We know that fans miss the energy and the camaraderie of watching our pay-per-view together. With Cinemark's enhanced safety measures, we look forward to our fans enjoying the adrenaline-fueled action together um, on Sunday night. Now, this this is interesting since AEW has prided themselves on socially distancing their events but now they are going into theaters, an industry that was rocked hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the event will be shown on Sunday, March 7th at select theaters starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. So fans can visit Cinemark uh, website for more information. Now, I think it's a good move, but will it affect the pay-per-view draws? Yeah, a little bit. But not really. But if it's not like making sure that your theater is socially distanced, making sure everyone's not like all together and nobody gets infected with COVID. I mean, it's a nice move, but it's an interesting situation. But you know what? I think it's a really, I think it's nice if it's for fans that can't attend. Like, for future reference, if they want to show it on a cinematic theater, like they want to put it in the movie theaters, then fine. I think it will work out. I think it will work out. But um, for now, it's just a wait-and-see approach. Now we got some big stories. We got a big story involving Tony Khan pulling some wrestlers from an indie event that involved Joey, Joey Ryan. You know, the scumbag Joey Ryan who was literally one of the big names in the speaking out movement and his career is just is over. I don't care what anyone says, his career is dead. Now, Joey Ryan was included on a poster for an indie event and this was for a women's charity 
and the backlash was pretty instant within the fan base. Now, the event has now been canceled. Instead of pulling Ryan, the organizers tweeted out that they are nixing the entire event. Tony Khan had also pulled all of his wrestlers from the show as well, and the AEW president made it very clear that no AEW talent will share a locker room with Joey Ryan. He still offered to donate to charity. Now, he says, If Joey Ryan is there, my people won't be there. I'll gladly donate to the charity through. Uh, though, uh, wait, if he's behind this, is he? Then, is this charity even legit? Now, um, <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see what happens next. There's now some question about whether this was a legit charity. This is a very interesting situation, but the event in question isn't even happening now. Now, if Joey Ryan's behind this charity, then yes, he is a fucking scumbag for and using people's money for his own game. And look, I think Tony did the right thing to pull his talent out of there because, I mean, it's stupid to associate um with a guy who is just a fucking creep. And, like, and it's an all-women event, and that's something that really got me a little bit. So, it makes no sense to just, like, and, and you know what's funny? I feel like he booked himself in this event, and automatically, with a snap of a finger, like Thanos, it was instant backlash. Instead of, I don't know, maybe you should have pulled him from the show instead of canceling it, then this wouldn't be a problem. But the organizers were like, nah, nah, I don't see any issue with this. Well, you canceled the show. Whose fault is that? And, and just moving on. I, I got nothing here. I really do. Now, let's move on. We got some injury news. We got one in AEW. We got a ton in WWE. Just some updates and all that. But if you're wondering where... In the world is Anthony Bowens of the Acclaim. Well, here's the reason. And this is according to Tony Khan on the AEW Unrestricted Podcast. Is that Bowens is out of action with a knee injury. Now, we don't know the time frame of his return. uh, But he pretty much says we don't know the severity of it, but... All I can say is I hope that is not severe. I hope it's nothing serious. I hope it's minor. Something he's been wrestling through. He's been wrestling with an injured knee. And he's taking care of that right now. Before it gets worse. All I can say. Like. The thing I'm saying is I just wish it's nothing severe. And I hope it's just something minor. But um. That's all I could add right here. But. Plain as a whistle, but hopefully Anthony Bones recovers because, look, I love the Acclaim. I think they are one of my favorite tag teams in AEW along with Jurassic Express, along with Top Flight. But um, even though AEW has a stacked tag team division, I think the Acclaim stand out to me. But um, hope Anthony Bones is okay. That's all I'm going to say right here. We're going to award stupidity. The stupidity award goes to, drum roll please, 
Forgive that terrible drum for me. Um, the Stupidity Award goes to Chris Jericho. Now, here's the reason why. Now, the United States ordered even more COVID-19 vaccines and cases are going down. Some people are a little more than eager than others to reopen completely. I would take it baby steps. And look, just because everything's going down doesn't mean everything has to be reopened. Looking at you, Texas. Looking at you, Mississippi. Just saying. Anyway, Disco Inferno tweeted out to boast about how well Nevada is doing right now. COVID-19 cases seem to be falling in rapid fashion. So he wants them to reopen now. No, Disco Inferno. No. Now, Chris Jericho, who, keep in mind, says he's not political even though he donated money to Donald Trump's campaign, you know, that Chris Jericho, who says he's not political, bite me, you Ayatollah piece of shit. And he pretty much agreed with Disco Inferno by saying, like, he pretty much said agreed. Now, Alundra Blaze, she said it all needs to open. But, um, I don't know who wrote this. They probably didn't read the tweet right. Like, it should have said Medusa said it all needs to open. I, I Look, let me be real, guys. I know we want things to be back to normal. I want things to be back to normal. But don't rush, okay? I don't want to risk anybody who has... I don't want to risk any going back to normal and... One person gets COVID and then we're back to square one again because you wanted to rush. Play it safe. Play it smart. Don't open up everything yet until everything is slowly going down. But I think, and I like Alundra Blaze, but it doesn't need to open right now. We don't have to rush. Disco Inferno, you don't have to, uh, just because things are going down doesn't mean Everything should be reopened, and Chris Jericho is agreeing on this. I mean, be patient. It will, it's going down slowly, but you may never know that it's going to pick up again. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, don't rush. I know we want things to be back to normal. Just don't rush. Plain and simple, you don't need to rush. And that's how that's how I'm going to end it right there. Because I ain't rushing for things to be back to normal. I'll just wait until everything is clear. When all the COVID cases are going completely. If they're gone completely. And we could have things back to normal. So, plain and simple. Be patient. Okay, guys? But... Yeah, Jericho, you're not a political person. Yeah, right. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, move on. My girl, mm, Red Velvet. Red Velvet. My girl. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't just help think about Red Velvet wishing me a happy birthday uh, on Cameo uh, last year. I can't get over that. Like, I'm just so happy. Like, I just became a fan of her last year. And she, 
is doing big things right now. I'm very proud of her. But she actually was interviewed on the AEW Unrestricted podcast. And she actually revealed how she came up with her ring name. Now, we all know Velvet Stock has risen in the last couple of months. And fans are slowly getting to know about her a little bit more. Now, here's what she said when she was asked about how she came up with her ring name. Now, she said, and I quote, In college, I had my first life-changing relationship. It put my life upside down and changed my life. It changed me as a person forever. I went through this stage where I dyed my hair super red. I said I'm getting rid of everything in the past. I'm a new person. I had this red hair and my friends would say that was my alter ego. No, my alter ego. They were like, when Velvet switches moods, she's like red violet. A show came up asking for wrestlers and anyone can do it. I had to cut a promo. I went to my friend's house and I was like, okay, I'm going to cut a promo. I'm going to be a wrestler. He said, what's your wrestling name? And he was a huge wrestling fan. I said, uh, red violet. He said, ill. That's not good. I said, I have nothing. That's like my alter ego. He said, you're small, uh, petite, spicy. You're very elegant in your way you do things. Your hair is super red. Your skin is beautiful chocolate. You remind me of a red velvet cake. Ooh, so that's the backstory on how she got her name. Interesting. That is interesting. Now, she's continuing on. She said, okay, let's wing it. Let's use it. In the beginning, it was more of a comparison of what he said uh, I was. I started putting some thought into it as a person and my alter ego. How am I? It kind of flowed my sassiness and my sweetness because I am really... I am a really sweet person. Yes, she is. I, I have evidence of that because literally she I did that request for cameo and she did it with spade. Answered like she I asked her who she would love to face and she said Thunder Rosa. And speaking of which, I had a, a cameo from Thunder Rosa for those who are new to the show when it when I turned 27 last year. It was awesome. Because <laughs> I'm a big fan of Thunder Rosa. I think she's incredible. Um, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> she says this, but when you piss me off, I'll give you cavities. Then the velvet, because I used to dance. So just like the way I started to move in the ring was fluid and very elegant. Then it started taking off. My trainer was making jokes about it and asked, where are you going to come from? I'm like, I don't know, Florida, where I'm from? He's like, how about straight out of your mama's kitchen? Mmm, so, so the trainer came up with that. Straight out of your mama's kitchen. Because that's when Straight Out of Compton, the movie came out, and everybody was saying, straight out of this, straight out of that. He said, how about straight out of your mama's kitchen? I liked it, it took off, and then... Now that's my whole persona. The kitchen, like the oven is on, I'm going to stir it up. Now, Red Velvet also talked about, if you want to listen to the AEW Unrestricted Podcast, do so. It's really good. 
Um, talked about how she is preparing for her big match on Wednesday, which we will talk about against Shaq and Jay Cargill because I got a lot of good things to say about that. Why it's important for her to fill in for Brandy Rhodes, training with La Rosa Negra and Dustin Rhodes, why she wants a match with Serena Deeb, who is currently recovering from a knee injury, uh, her engagement to Wes Briscoe, what her parents have done to support her dream, and a lot more. So, if you want to listen to this interview, I would recommend it. But, I'm starting to like Red Velvet a little bit more with this backstory. You had a friend that um gave the name Red Velvet because, as she said, you are a really sweet person, but when you piss her off, she'll give you the cavities. I love that line. And her trainer actually came up with the... Uh, with the introduction, straight out of your mama's kitchen. So, and I think it really gels well with uh, her character. So, and like I said, I think she's going to go big in, um, for uh, AEW in their women's division. I think she's someone you should be on the lookout for. I have been praising her work a lot. So, I think she's someone you should keep an eye on. Anyway, let's talk about Cody Rhodes. Now, we all know that um, he will never challenge, if you never watched AEW, there was a stipulation where he took on Jericho, I believe it was at full gear if I'm correct, he, if he lost, he will never challenge for the AEW World Championship ever again, okay, like you following me on this, and he has lived up to this rule. Now, Cody, yep, and I'm right, he fell short at full gear, and the stipulation for the match was if Rose didn't win, then he could never challenge for the title again. MJF screwed him out of the title when he threw in the towel on behalf of Rhodes, which kicked off their heated feud. Now, Cody, who is portrayed as a babyface, has kept his promise I'm never challenging for the title and doesn't plan on doing so. However, during an appearance on WFAN Sports Radio, the AEW executive did note that if he would that it would be a heel thing to do if he decided to challenge for the title. It should be noted that up this point, AEW has kept its promises regarding stipulations. Now, Cody said and I quote, um I'm going to stick to my word on the AEW title, but ultimately that decision will rest on Tony Khan. It's easy. It's the easiest heel turn in wrestling. If I was to break it, I love that we're disciplined and conservative and presenting wrestling backwards. Now, I also found this in one of the group chats I'm in, and this was 58 minutes ago. One of the admins posted this, and this is from, a serious XM busted open. And they said, breaking news. The AEW ban on Dave LaGreca has made by Cody. Ro- now, I don't think it's, um, uh, hold up, hold up. I want to make sure I, f- I find the actual truth in this. Cause I don't know if it's, um, just hold on one second. Uh, never mind. It's, Dave LaGreca has been, uh, has been uplifted for, for the band. So 
it's fine. I thought it was um they he uplifted Cody's band to challenge for the world title, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. But it is intriguing. But they have to work a way around that stipulation. If it was up to me, if Cody does go heel. I think he would be great as a heel though. But his babyface run has been on fire. But oh man, I'm just thinking of some of the great ideas for this um like I'm trying to think for this for Cody to potentially get back into the world title picture. Even though they've uh followed the rules, there has to be some stipulation that would make him uplifted. That would be possible. So, you know, I'm all I'm on board with this. I really am. But a heel turn? Cody hinting it, I see. Hmm. We'll wait and see. But that's that. I do want to talk about briefly the Women's Championship uh, Eliminator Tournament. Now, Sunday, they had a little hiccup on Bleacher Report. And they decided to put it on YouTube, which is where they should have put it in the first place. And we had the finals for the Japan side, the semifinals for the U.S. side. So, first we had like a six-woman tag. We had Hikaru Shida, Mei Suruga, and Ren Katakura. They defeated Emi Sakura, Veni, and Maki Ito. So, so basic little six-woman tag match on the Japan side. Um, we had Yuka Sakazaki versus Ryo Mizunami in the finals of the Japan side. And uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. A pretty good match. But Ryo Mizunami, she defeated Yuka Sakazaki to advance in the finals. Well, win the finals of the Japan bracket. And in the semifinals on the U.S. side, we had Thunder Rosa. Mm, Thunder Rosa. Beating Riho. Which, it was a great match. It was a great match. And uh, Thunder Rosa, she advanced in the finals against Nyla Rose, which we will go to later. We had two dark matches for the women. We had Maddie Winkowski defeating Leva Bates. This was on Monday. And we had Layla Hurst defeating Miranda Elise uh, as well. And this one, the finals of the U.S. side... Nyla Rose defeated Thunder Rose, and I'm like, wow. Wow. Because I really wanted Britt Baker to be in the finals, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers, can they? Anyway, we'll get to the finals when we talk Dynamite for a bit, and I'll, I'll explain who I thought was the MVP of this whole women's tournament, who is someone that I think has a... That's going to sign on the Japan side for AEW in the future. But, um, beggars can't be choosers. So, on Dark, on Tuesday, we had quick, like, quickly, we do this every time. I run through the results because I know people don't watch Dark that much. And I know we're going to have Dark Elevation on Monday. So, we're going to be, I'm going to be rustled out. With content. <clears throat> like, I'm going to be wrestled out of content. But I'm still going to keep doing what I have to do. So, here it is. We got Lee Johnson and Aaron Solo of the Nightmare Family. 
uh, defeating Louis Vall and Christ Peaks. We had Red Velvet and Kylan King defeated Diamante and Eva Lise. Top Flight defeated Fuego Del Sol and John Cruz. We got the Gun Club defeating Tony Vega, Aaron Fry, and Angel Fashions. We have Abaddon defeating Renee Michelle. Stu Grayson defeated JD Drake. Bear Country defeated Baron Black and Mbadu. We have Evil Uno, Alan Angels, who is number five, and Cole Cabana defeating Levi Shapiro, John Schuyler, and Ryzen. Max Caster defeated JJ Garrett. TH2 defeated Sean Dean and Charlie Bravo. Orange Cassidy defeated Steve Steve Stetson. Um, Chuck Taylor defeated V. VSK, the Dark Order's uh, Press 10 Vance defeated Daniel Joseph, and SCU defeated Matt and Mike Seidel. So that was your dark, quick re- recap. Now, I thought AEW, they had their go-home show for Revolution. I thought it was pretty good, but there's one highlight in particular that really made me just say this was great. And I think everyone can agree as well. I thought Shaq and Jay Cargill versus Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet was great. It was really good, in my honest opinion. Like, Jay Cargill, I thought she looked impressive. I thought she did pretty well. Bust out the figure four, did a nice Arn Anderson as spine buster. But I think the MVP, in my honest opinion, was Red Velvet. I thought... First of all, her gear was on point. Second of all, I think she's shown she is showing a lot of potential in the ring. And I think she's going to be one of the next big stars in the women's division when that time comes. Now, we also had Cody doing one of the dives. Not a dive, but like a crossbody on Shaq. And Shaq went through the table, which I thought was, was pretty good, man. And Shaq was knocked out. But this was a really good opening match. And I really said, man, if this was in the main event, it would have got like a, it would have got like a lot of people watching. But um, I still think it should have been saved for the main event. They hyped that one up so great, so much. And uh, I thought they delivered. I thought Shaq delivered, uh, Jay Cargill delivered, uh, Cody Rhodes delivered, and Red Velvet delivered. And I think we might see... Jay Cargill and Red Velvet feuding. Which, you know what? I'm on board. I'm on board with it. We had a short match between Ray Phoenix and Pac. They squashed uh, D3 and John Skyler. And that was pretty much it. Just to showcase their dominance. We got the Inner Circle press conference. I mean, it was just eh. It was eh. That This entire segment was eh. Now, Jericho was asked about what the tag titles mean to him, and he reminds everyone that he's a seven-time tag team champion with names ranging from Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, uh, to The Big Show, and now they want to beat the hell out of the Young Bucks like they did to their father. Now, Comrade Thompson, who usually make appearances here, he asks if there's the odds of Sammy Guevara coming back to the inner circle or letting him come back to the inner circle, Jericho just screams at him to leave and MJF calls him a turkey. That was funny. (laughs) 
I'm not going to lie. That was pretty funny. Now, someone asks, why did Jericho and MJF attack Papa Buck? And Maxwell claimed that it was in self-defense and pretty much it was Santana's idea. But to attack Papa Buck, but, you know, they wanted to do it, I guess. Now, Eric Bischoff, he asked Chris Jericho if he knows the condition of Papa Buck and on his list of stupid ideas, where does motivating the Bucks come after him with vengeance rank? And Jericho just kicks him out. He's like, they don't care about Papa Buck. And this brings out the, uh, the young Bucks. The young Bucks come in and they cut this passionate promo about their father and look, they showed a little emotion there. They showed a little emotion. I thought it was really good. Now, the Young Bucks come out. They said that the Inner Circle made this personal. And they call their father the greatest in the world. And mentions that he taught them everything they know about compassion, empathy, faith, family, and love. And mentions that he built them their own ring in the backyard with his bare hands. They mentioned that... D- that DIY spirit is what created the Young Bucks, BTE, and AEW. Oh, really? Because, I mean, that money came from Tony Khan. And if if you didn't have AEW, if there was no Tony Khan, who would have purchased uh, AEW? I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, I'm just saying. Anyway, um, they mentioned that if there was no AEW, MJF would probably be at home, unemployed, work, waiting for a callback. From the Rosie O'Donnell uh, show. And they also mentioned that Jericho would be jerking the curtain at the Performance Center. Which was a shot at WWE, of course. Get that little chief shot. And we had this huge brawl. Like, the Young Bucks, they stood tall. He had the Good Brothers getting involved. And, and this is where I just question things a little bit. So, they're helping the Young Bucks. Okay? And... They're usually associated with Omega and uh, Don Callis. So, I don't know, man. I honestly don't know what they're doing, but I can't even tell if the Young Bucks are the heels or face. But for this, I think they wanted us to get sympathy for the Bucks after what they did to uh, Papa Buck. I mentioned that in the last episode, so it's possible that that's where they're going with here. We had FTR and Tully Blanchard, and we had J.J. Dillon with him, and Tully was wearing the old-school NWA United States title, so nice. It looked nice. They defeated Jurassic Express. This was a fine match. It was okay. Um, you had a masked figure appear attacking Luchasaurus. We had a assisted spike pile driver by... Uh, FTR and Tully Blanchard, and um, Tully Blanchard pins pins Luchasaurus. I never thought I would say that. Tully Blanchard pins Luchasaurus. Again, I never thought I would say that. So, the masked man who is revealed to be the attacker was Sean Spears. He poses with uh, Tully and FTR. You had Arn Anderson making a brief appearance in the face tunnel. Does the Four Horsemen sign it? I'm keeping my eye on that because, like they say, you never trust the Four Horsemen because they will turn your back on you in an instant. 
Now, in the ramp, we had Tony Schiavone uh, introducing Paul White, and he asked Paul, like Paul, right? Paul asked, um, if he wants us to raise our hands if we saw this turn coming. We didn't see it coming, uh, Paul. We know. <laughs> we know. Now, he said that he's happy to be here, and he's hyped, uh, he hyped up Elevation, and talks about taking this job seriously, and he's got a big scoop to prove it. And he reveals that they, they're signing a Hall of Fame worthy, uh, someone who's a Hall of Famer, I guess. And we need you to watch Revolution to find out. And to paraphrase, it's not what you think. And everybody was guessing, oh, is it going to be CM Punk? Oh, is it going to be, um, is it going to be Brock Lesnar? Is it going to be Dwayne Johnson? Is it going to be John Cena? Some people were throwing in Mauro Ronaldo. But I want to bring up what Solomonster said because he brought up a very great point on Twitter just now uh, at about 11.14 a.m. He uh, says, Tony Khan says the huge AEW signing revealed on Sunday is one of his all-time favorite wrestlers. Now, it's worth noting, he once named his Mount Rushmore of wrestlers as Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, I don't know if Ric... Now, we could take out the possibilities of Ric Flair and Steve Austin. Now, if Ric Flair was there, Vince McMahon would blow a gasket. Vince would blow a gasket that he turned on him for another wrestling promotion. And he's going to take his frustration out on his daughter. Because you know, you know if Rick did that, it's going to happen. So, plain and simple. But the only one that I think will make the most sense, in my honest opinion, uh, is uh, Bret Hart. Because, look, he made an appearance on the Double or Nothing show in 2019. He made his public appearance. He made his AEW debut there. And it would not surprise me if they get Bret Hart. So, it is a possibility that it could be him. What if it's Stone Cold Steve Austin? If it was Steve Austin, then... Yeah, I think Vince will lose his shit. Vince will lose his shit. He will pull his Steve Austin show out of... Like, I don't think it's going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think it's going to be Bret Hart. Like, what's Bret Hart doing? I think that's that's what I think. It's, it's going to be Bret the Hitman Hart. He's going to be the one making an appearance on Sunday. He's going to up his contract. He's going to sign the contract with AEW. And boom, you're good. I think that's what's going to happen. For the finals of the uh, Women's Eliminator Tournament, Ryo Mizunami and... Nyla Rose, they had a pretty good match. Um, but Ryo Mizunami defeated Nyla Rose. And she will be taking on Hikaru Shida for the women's title at Revolution. Now, let me talk about the women's tournament. Who do I see coming to AEW on the Japan side? Maki Ito is very popular. So I would not be surprised when this whole COVID shit dies down. And the travel restrictions is uplifted. I could see her up in her contract. And working with AEW. And joining the Dark Order. 
I think just think about that. Maki Ito and uh the Dark Order. That would be the most hilarious thing ever. And I would be on board with that. I would be on board with that 100%. Now, I could see Vinny. I could see her uh, possibly joining AEW in the future. And look, it can happen. It can happen. I thought she impressed against Emi Sakura. Even though people have mixed feelings about her. Trust me, I'm on that same boat as well. With Emi Sakura. So, anyway. Anyway. Who I thought was the MVP in this tournament. Surprisingly, I'm going to say Nyla Rose. Even though she hasn't been featured that much. Even though Britt Baker should have won this entire tournament. Like, I'm just saying. The tournament was good. But I felt some of the booking has been pretty wrong. To say the least. Just saying. But I thought Nyla Rose was the MVP. I thought she improved so much. You could tell she's getting better every single time. And that's what I love about Nyla Rose. That's what I love about any wrestler in general. They work to make themselves better. And that is the only thing that matters. So, I thought she was the MVP in this match. We had Max Caster defeating 10 to earn a spot at the... uh, Face the Revolution ladder match, which we will talk about in my predictions. And in the main event, we got Hangman Page and John Silver defeating Mark Quinn and uh, Matt Hardy. And of course, and this is a cliche that I fucking hate when it comes to wrestling. You close out the show with all the tag teams that are in this casino tag team battle royale brawling. Brawling. And I hate that cliche. I really do. But overall, it was a good go-home show to get you hyped for um for Revolution. But I thought the opening match between Cody and Red Velvet versus Shaq and Jay Cargill was the highlight of the entire show. And I know I forgot about Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting. I mean, it, I, I just did not care about it. I'm sorry. I really didn't. Now, let's get into the predictions. Let's talk uh, AEW Revolution. We got... Nine matches on a card, one of them being the buy-in, which is Thunder Rosa and Riho versus Britt Baker and Rebel. Now, there have been rumors that Rebel might be injured, and if she is injured, if she can't compete, then Britt Baker has a replacement. So we don't know who that replacement is. We don't know who that replacement is going to be. But this match, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of the pros and cons here. You could give it to the baby faces and have them win. I mean, sure, I think it would be nice for Riho and uh, Thunder Rosa. And I think Britt Baker has gotten the one up on uh, Thunder Rosa. But if you have Britt Baker win, you could bring her back into the top spot and go after whoever the women's champion is. And it's an easy prediction for me right there. But um, I'm going to go with... Like, I'm trying to make sense out of this. Because Britt Baker has beaten Thunder Rosa one-on-one. So, I can see if Reba's in the match, she's taking the pin. 
I'm going to go with Riho and Thunder Rosa. I think they're going to win. But I would love for Britt Baker to get a win just to establish herself as the next big name to challenge whoever the women's champion is. The opening match is going to be the Young Bucks defending their AEW tag team titles against Chris Jericho and MJF representing the Inner Circle. There is no way in hell the Young Bucks are dropping those titles. No way in hell. I'm going with the Young Bucks. They're retaining. I could see Sammy Guevara getting involved and costing MJF the match. And you have MJF and um you have MJF and Sammy Guevara feuding. And you get Jer I don't know what you're gonna do with Jericho. Maybe he's gonna be on a commentary or something. I don't know. I don't care. I really don't. But um the Young Bucks, they're not dropping those titles. So I think they're retaining here. Speaking of tag teams, for a future shot at the AEW Tag Team Championships, we got the Casino Tag Team Royale. Now, this is the teams that are in. Bear Country, the Dark Orders, like we got Alex Renault and John Silver, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Um, we got we got Allen Angels and Preston Vance in here, so three members of the Dark Order are in here. We got Santana and Ortiz from the Inner Circle. The Butcher and the Blade. Got Private Party with Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Top Flight, which is Darius Martin, Martin and Dante Martin. Death Triangle, Pac and Ray Phoenix. Uh, Varsity Blondes, which is Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. We got the Seidel brothers, Matt and Mike Seidel. SCU, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. The Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. And um, we have Chaos Project and The Gun Club, which is consistent of Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn. Now, for this, for this rule, I'm going to have three picks. For those of you who are new, when it comes to Battle Royals or Royal Rumbles or like say they do the Andre the Giant Battle Royal or the Women's Battle Royal to determine who wins that because they usually do that every WrestleMania. But um, for this rule, I always go for three picks. My three is my main, the first one. The second one's my runner-up. And my third is a wild card. So, I mean, I see SCU in here. I know this is going to be a lot of craziness to keep up with. Because, um, I don't know, man. I feel like my first pick is going to be SCU. Because if you remember, SCU, like Frankie Kazarian and, uh, and Christopher Daniels made a deal that if they lose, they will never be a tag team again. So, this could go either way. And I think they win. They get a future shot at the world tag titles. My second pick, my secondary would be Death Triangle, which would be Ray, Phoenix, and Pac. And I think that would be a nice addition. But my third and my wild card, uh, my wild card pick, I'm going to go with Santana and Ortiz. I think the feud between the Bucks and the Inner Circles continues. If it does happen, I don't know. But, um... Who knows? 
Like, that would be a good wild card pick. So, for me, my main winners are SCU because, like they, like I said, they can't lose because if they lose, they're no longer a tag team. And I think that's when you do it, when they challenge the Young Bucks for the tag titles. Now, that triangle would be great because we will get a lot of good stuff between the Young Bucks and uh, Ray and Pac. I think that's going to be a fantastic match. And we all know how great Santana and Ortiz are. I think they're going to put on a clinic, as always. Now, we got the Face of the Revolution ladder match. And it's for a future shot at the AEW TNT title. So, the participants that are in are Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, Penta El Cero M, Lance Archer, and Max Caster. And there's a mystery... Part there's a mystery participant. Now, if I were to guess, I am gonna say Ethan Page is the mystery participant. Now, if it's not him, it has to be someone big. It has to be someone that nobody expects. But I still think it's gonna be Ethan Page. Or it could be Ziggy Dice. Or it could be Marty the Moth Martina. Martinez or something. But, um, if I had to pick the winner here, I'm going to go with Lance Archer. Now, I don't know how a Lance Archer-Darby Allen match would work, but I think they could, excuse me, I think they can make it look fun. But if you don't want to do that, I might go with the mystery opponent, which I think is going to be Ethan Page. I think that's who it's going to be. So... Get ready, guys, because I know Sunday we're going to be surprised. Because last time at Double or Nothing, they debuted Brian Cage. So I wonder who else, I wonder who is going to be the mystery p- opponent. So it could, we could say Cody Rhodes because Cody and Darby, they have a history together. And I think it makes the most sense. But Scorpio Sky, he's also been getting a push lately. I might have to change my pick. As much as I like Lance Archer, I think Lance Archer should be going after the world title. So I'm going to say Scorpio Sky on this one. I think Scorpio Sky's winning this. If not, then I'll go with them. Then I think the mystery uh, opponent's winning this. Up next, we got um, Hangman Page versus Matt Hardy. And the stipulation is that the winner receives the loser's 2021 first quarter earnings. Uh, I don't care about this match that much. And I don't see Hangman Page losing because they are building him up as the next face, the next top face to challenge Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. And I guarantee when Adam Page beats Omega for the title, it's going to be one of the biggest feel-good moments in a pay-per-view and possibly in AEW because he's very popular. I don't see Matt Hardy beating him. I'm going with Hangman Page. Plain and simple. We have Miro and Kip Sabian taking on best friends. Um, Look, I think Miro's run in AEW right now has been disappointing. He came in with so much hype, but it's just this feud. I'm just not into it a little bit. Like, I don't know why. Now, Miro said that he's going to get serious, if he moves away from the best friends and Kip Sabian and focus on himself, then I would take him serious. 
But um, I don't know, man. I don't even care who wins this. I am going with uh best friends on this. Even though Miro and Kip needs this win more, I feel like they're going to give it to best friends. Like, I think that's the direction they might go with. We have Team Taz, consisting of Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, taking on Darby Allen and Sting in a street fight. This one's easy. I am going with Sting and Darby Allen. I think they're winning this match. And I don't know what's next for Team Taz. So after that feud, I don't know what's next. Um, moving on. We got Hikaru Shida defending her title against Ryo Mizunami. Hikaru Shida has been champion for like close to 200 and something days. Like I think she's at the 280 plus range. It doesn't hurt to check, so I'm about to look at that right now. Like, bear with me, people. She has been champion. Yeah, she has been champion for 285 plus days. So she's close to reaching that 300 mark. So, I mean, I like Ryo Mizunami. I mean, it would be surprising to see her win the title from Sheeta, even though Sheeta stood tall after she laid out uh, Ryo. Uh, in the ring. So it could be a possibility that Ryo Mizunami walks out as champion. But um, I'm sticking with Hikaru Shida. I think she should retain. And I would say you have Britt Baker beat Hikaru Shida for the title. I think that's the destination they should go with. Because right now, Britt Baker has been featured more. I think character-wise, she's been killing it. And... Right now, I think there's no no one better than um, Britt Baker to be the one to take the title from Hikaru Shida. So, that's that. And in the main event, we had Kenny Omega defending his AEW world title against Jon Moxley in an exploding barbed wire death match. And I know this match is not going to be for uh, most people. You don't have to watch it. But I'm intrigued to see how they do it on the U.S. soil. But, um, yeah, this is going to be interesting. And like I said, I know this match is not everybody's cup of coffee. So, um, if you still want to watch, just take the risk. I've seen people in Japan do it. They're, they're not afraid of taking the risk. I think this is going to be a way to write John Moxley off because, um, I know Renee's going to be giving birth pretty soon. So he wants to be with her. And um, either that, he could free up some time and do some sh- some shit in uh, New Japan with the IWGP United States title, which, surprisingly, he beat Kenta. Still can't get over that. I thought Kenta was going to win it, but nope, nope, didn't happen. Did not happen at all. But I'm going with Omega. He's not dropping that title anytime soon. I feel like the only person he's dropping that title to is to Hangman Page, and I think that's what's going to happen. So that's my little predictions for the AEW Revolution pay-per-view. Please keep in note, I will be live tweeting for both show, for this show. And uh, possibly on Monday or Tuesday, I'll give my official thoughts and reactions about the pay-per-view. Do I like it? What some of the things I like? Some of the things I hate? And um, so much and so forth. Now, 
let's move away from AEW. Let's talk New Japan for a bit. I only got two things to mention here. They have officially unified the IWGP Intercontinental Championship and the IWGP uh, World Heavyweight Championship. Now, according to PW Insider, uh, New Japan will officially unify the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championship. And this will create the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Later on, Naoki Sugabayashi had confirmed the news to Tokyo Sports. Kota Ibushi is currently both uh, the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. And he will be the first IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. It is also confirmed that Kota Ibushi will defend his new title for the first time against the winner of the New Japan Cup. And that tournament is going on right now. And I'm going to watch the latest one because I did see the main event between Ibushi and uh, El Desperado. I thought they they had a really kick-ass match. And you had Jeff Cobb defeating Kojima in the cup, which I knew it was going to happen. But... Naito losing to the great Okan? What madness am I living in? Holy shit. So, yep. The titles are being unified. I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, I understand what they want to do. Um, but I just have mixed feelings. I really do. I really like the Intercontinental title. Like, that title got me into New Japan. When Shinsuke Nakamura held that title. Now. I don't know how anyone else feels. Do you think it's a good move? I mean. it's an, I know they want to try something different. They want to try something new. But I wonder how the belt will look. I think. It will look pretty interesting. Who knows. We'll, we'll find out. But. After the New Japan Cup. There will be an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. So, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. Now we got some news regarding Marty Skrull. Now, Marty Skrull, he's no longer part of New Japan's plans in the near future. And he will not be making an appearance on New Japan Strong. Now, the news was first reported by the Super J-Cast podcast. And it was later confirmed by Dave Meltzer on Wednesday. Now, last week, it was reported that Skrull was part of the January 22nd tapings in California, and it was rumored that he was part of a post-match angle with Rocky Romero, which led to a backlash from fans on social media. Now, for those who don't know what's going on, if you're new, here's what happened. The reason for that is due to him being tied to a 2015 encounter with a thin 16-year-old female who said he sexually assaulted her. This allegation was made during last summer's speaking out movement. Now, he did admit to the encounter, but noted it was both consensual and legal due to the UK age of consent. He issued a statement noting that he didn't become aware of her age until after the encounter. The reality of the age uh, disparity is not lost on me. That's what he said. Now, when the allegation was first made, he was still with Ring of Honor as an active and head of creative. 
the promotion launched an investigation into a claim, and later the two sides parted ways in January. He's been out of action since February of 2020, and he hasn't worked for New Japan since 2019's Best of the Super Junior Tournament. And that's your little update on Marty. And yeah, he's a creep. No one likes a creep. So there. He's not going to be on New Japan. He's pretty much, his career is pretty much on hold right now. Because he's going to live with this for the rest of his life and fans are not going to let it go. And I'm not trying to side with Marty. That's his own fault. That's his own fault. And Joey Ryan, he's trying his damnness to try to get things back to normal. But it ain't going to work in his favor. But, um, yeah, Marty, he's no longer in plans for New Japan. So, that's that. Now, we got some update, an update on NWA. Now, there was a lot of speculations that NWA was pulling all of their videos on their YouTube channel. Now, the promotion has yet to confirm why they did this, but Dave Meltzer noted on Wrestling Observer that something will be announced in the next few days. And Meltzer stated that NWA will be taping content on March 21st and like right through the 24th. Now he said, okay, NWA, so this is a situation with the NWA. I don't know why they pulled all their videos from YouTube, but they are going to be taping from March 21st to March 24th. And I was told that it will, will come out in the next couple of days when they did, when they did it, and it will be a positive. I don't know more than that, but I know it's going to come out pretty soon. Now, NWA was struck the hardest with the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic last year before they taped their Shockwave series from Thunder Studios in Long Beach, California last fall. NWA's last Power episode aired on the 20th of last year's January. And not only that, they will be airing their pay-per-view back for the attack this month and this is good news because usually I love talking about NWA and I'm glad that they're coming back um, fans noticed that Fight TV has updated its streaming ser- schedule and list the NWA back for the attack pay-per-view event on March 21st at 4 p.m. Eastern time with the price tag of $19.99, which is $20. Nick Aldis, Thunder Rosa, Aaron Stevens, Trevor Murdoch, uh, Elijah Burke, a.k.a. The Pope, Tim Storm, and Camille are advertised to appear. Now, it should be noted that there are previous Power episodes listed as replays on their page as well. Um, those episodes were removed last week from NWA's YouTube channel. Now, the poster reads this. On March 21st, NWA is back on fight. Back for the Attack is the first pay-per-view event of NWA in 2021 and will be big and historic. The event features the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis, Thunder Rosa, Aaron Stevens, Trevor Murdoch, Elijah Burke, a.k.a. The The Pope, Tim Storm, Camille, and many more. Tune in. Order today and watch on fight. 
So, like I said, the promotions reportedly slated to hold their TV tapings on the 21st through the 24th of March. Although it's not confirmed, this could indicate that the the reported announcement above where the future broadcasts will air could be on Fight TV. So it looks like NWA found their home, and that's on Fight TV. So, and I'm glad they're back. I miss live tweeting for NWA. And I think it's really good that they have decided to come back. So where do they go? I don't know. But I'm more intrigued to see what they do for the future. Now, let's move on to a somber note. And this is very sad news to hear coming from the wrestling world. Um, Sad to report that um, Jim Crockett Jr. passed away at the age of uh, 76. Now, he's been put in hospice care a few days ago after battling liver and kidney failure. Now, word began to spread last week that he was in grave condition. Crockett Jr.'s father founded the Jim Crockett Promotions. Um, The promotion was eventually taken over by Crockett Jr. in 1977. And he became the president of the NWA in 1980. Uh, Crockett Jr. sold the company in 1988 to Ted Turner and at that point the company was renamed World Championship Wrestling WCW now the news of Crockett Jr.'s passing first broke on social media via Robert Gibson's Facebook page now another detail came was that he had COVID like he had COVID um, right before uh, passing away and this is according to Dave Meltzer on the uh, Wrestling Observer. And he noted that he contracted COVID, which led him to be put in the hospital. And he said, so what happened? He had health issues and he contracted COVID. And essentially because of the previous health issues and getting COVID, it put him in the hospital and it got worse and worse. Now, as we talked about all day, uh, the other day, he had a kidney issue before, and he was on kidney dialysis, and has and his kidneys and other internal organs were shutting down. He made the call to get off dialysis, and essentially knowing that was it, he knew it was a matter of time. I think it's been pretty clear for a couple of days. And the wrestling world actually reacted um to his passing, so I want to read some of their... uh their statements. So we're going to start things off with the nature boy, Ric Flair. And he says, I moved to, to Charlotte in 1974 with $150 in my pocket. Jim Crockett was my friend and my boss. I can't put into words how much he did for me and my career. His influence and persistence helped me become the world champion. My thoughts and prayers are with the Crockett family. Ring of Honor, they said that um, they mourn the passing of Jim Crockett Jr. And they extend their deepest condolence to the Crockett family, to Crockett's family and friends. Dax from um, FTR said, tonight was for the Crockett family. Hashtag RIP Jim Crockett Jr. Jim Ross, he tweeted, thanks Jimmy and rest... In perfect health, you you and your family were always very fair to me 
I'm grateful. Matt Hardy tweeted, RIP Jim Crockett Jr. Thank you for moving the pro wrestling business forward and expanding its reach. Uh, Tim Hornbaker said Jim Crockett Jr. helped usher in a new era of professional wrestling and gave fans truly amazing memories that will never be forgotten. R.I.P. Jimmy, my thoughts are with his family and friends. Um, Bill Apter, he shared his uh, personal memories of Jim Crockett Jr. on uh, his YouTube channel, One Wrestling. Brian Alvarez tweeted that he's very sorry to report the death of Jim Crockett Jr. All the best to his family and friends. Um, You have Matt Farmer tweeting... R.I.P. Jim Crockett Jr., the promoter that bought some of my absolute favorite moments in ever in wrestling. He's a large part of the reasons for me being a lifelong fan. Impact, they tweeted out, We are deeply saddened to learn the passing of the legendary wrestling promoter, Jim Crockett Jr. We send out sincerest condolences to his family. N.W.A., they treat... They, tweeted uh, that the NWA is sad to learn that Jim Crockett Jr. has passed away. The three-time president of the NWA, Crockett was a titan in the wrestling industry uh, who introduced countless legends to the world. We extend our deepest sympathies to his family, friends, and fans. R.I.P. Jim Crockett Jr. Um, Lance Storm tweeted, if not for my love of Jim Crockett promotions, I doubt I ever would have considered a pro wrestling career. Thank you, Jim Crockett Jr. May you rest in peace. The Blue Meanie tweeted, um, Rest in peace, Jim Crockett Jr. Thank you for all you, all you and your family gave to the business. Such a tremendous loss. We have Lex Luger tweeting, Jim Crockett Jr. signed me to my first wrestling contract. I'm so thankful he believed in me and put me in the path of success just as he did with so many others in the wrestling industry. He will be greatly missed. My earnest prayers and condolences to his family. We have um, CAC Reunion, Cauliflower Alley Club. They tweeted, everyone here at CAC is saddened to hear that legendary promoter Jim Crockett Jr. has passed away at the age of 76. We thank him for all the years of wonderful memories and send out our sincerest condolences to his family, friends, and wrestling fans the world over. R.I.P. Mr. Crockett. Court Bauer uh, t- quoted the tweet by uh, saying, Jim Crockett Jr. was ambitious, courageous, and a force in our sport. I wish we all could have enjoyed the more of his presence as we all would have been better for it. I'm forever inspired by JCP, his tenacity and rebel approach against an adversary with deep pockets. R.I.P. R.I.P. Jim Crockett Jr. Mr. Crockett. Um, Mark Madden tweeted, Sorry to hear of Jim Crockett Jr.'s passing. He was a good man and an architect of some of the wrestling I love most condolences to his family and friends. And I think WWE, they actually posted something on their website talking about Jim Crockett, if I could find it. And I think I 
and here it is. <clears throat> this is what they wrote. WWE is saddened to learn that Jim Crockett Jr. passed away at the age of 76. An influential promoter who helped champions the careers of WWE Hall of Famers like Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, and the Road Warriors. Crockett Jr. stewarded the family Crockett promotion from 1977 to 1989. As part of the promotion's affiliation, Crockett Jr. was later named president of NWA in 1980. During his tenure, Crockett Jr. helped expand the promotion's footprint and helped the inaugural Jim Crockett Sr. Memorial Cup at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans. And I wasn't born at that time. I did not even know they did this. Man, under Crockett Jr.'s leadership, the NWA would eventually be sold and renamed as World Championship Wrestling. WWE extends its condolences to Crockett Jr.'s family and friends. And me here personally, I want to share my send my condolences to uh to the family of Jim Crockett Jr. I know this is a huge loss, and um. Just know that I'm praying for all of you. Hopefully you guys are are doing okay. And it's very sad to hear a story like that. Just very, very sad, man. Very sad. I really have no words to say at this point. But my condolences go to his family and friends. Let's Now let's talk about uh, Big Cass. Now, um... Big Cass, he made a surprise return in in the pro wrestling ring. I think it was Luke Gallows, uh, one of his shows that he put together. And now this was not expected at all, but he was welcomed back in a big way. Fightful Select reported that Cass was praised for looking in great shape. He was also reportedly very easy to deal with and had his head on straight. This is a great sign because it's a far cry from the condition he was in the last time we heard th- that um, he was at a pro wrestling event and somebody's l- literally blowing up their car with music. Now, it was said that at, that this appearance wasn't the spur of the moment. It was reported that the Lorito Pro appearance was scheduled for a few months. Lorito Pro is Luke Gallows' promotion. Now, it's unknown when Big Cass will show up next. But he had a very successful night uh, return to the ring on Saturday night, which I thought he looked in great shape. Like It felt like seeing NXT Big Cass and Enzo again. And if there's one place I see them landing, like I know they, they could say they might have another shot at WWE, but I think Gallows is going to talk them into Impact because, I mean, I think it would be a perfect fit for them. I think Impact would be... A great spot for Enzo and Cass. And they would be your future knockouts champ. Not knockouts. I'm thinking of women. Uh, Impact tag titles. Can't even fucking speak. What the hell's wrong with me, Shino? Get it together. But look, if Big Cass and Enzo return, I mean, it would be a nice feel-good moment and a nice return. Because look, it didn't go in their favor. You split them up for no reason. Hey, you want to talk about a comeback story? This is your comeback story right here. But I think Impact will be their destination for now. So we'll wait and see. Now, let's move on to this story. And I was 
and I was reading this on Twitter when I was watching uh, WandaVision. Now, I don't know about this promotion, Synergy Pro Wrestling, but the founder, Colin West, a.k.a. Patrick Shea, has been outed as a convicted child molester. IWTV has announced that they will no longer be affiliated with uh, Synergy Pro Wrestling. They are not, the an- announcement comes after the owner of the promoter, Colin West, was outed as a convicted child molester. Now, the state record shows in New Jersey that he was arrested for aggravated criminal sexual contact in 1999. The records state that he was convicted of sexually assaulting three uh, acquaintances between the ages of 6 and 10 in a separate case. He was convicted of sexually assaulting a 12-year-old male. Now, this is a... Now, Queen of Dinosaurs, uh, Tara Calloway, tweeted this out. We're all sitting here vague tweeting and no one is just ripping off a band-aid. I am devastated. Everything I've ever done with Dropkick is tarnished because his voice is all over... is all over it. I want to burn my own charity down, but someone has to be the one. And IWTV tweeted, uh, effective immediately, IWTV will no longer be affiliated with Synergy Pro Wrestling. Now, several wrestlers and associates have expressed their disgust at the situation because they had no idea about his past. Many wrestlers tweeted that they will no longer be affiliated with Synergy Pro Wrestling. And as of this writing, the account, the Synergy Pro Wrestling account has been deactivated. Now, Warhorse tweeted, words can't express how betrayed myself and everyone else feels about the uh, situation. I will no longer be working for Synergy Wrestling or have any affiliation with Colin West, and I am so disgusted that he got away with it that for that long. The No Holds Barred the No Holds Barred Network tweeted, Due to the unfortunate news today, the No Holds Barred Network will no longer be affiliate, affiliated with anything with Synergy Pro Wrestling. All podcast episodes will be pulled from the network. Um, Danny Cage tweeted, uh, I'm just as shocked as everyone. Colin West slash Patrick Shea, Synergy Wrestling, we will no longer have anything to do with any of them. Plus, it might cost us business, but full background checks will be conducted on anyone renting out buildings for events starting now. Um, Daddy of the district, Jordan Blade, said, um, I've sat on this for a while, trying to hold back tears at work, but this one hurts. I trusted Colin West, but now I feel disgusted and embarrassed that I ever worked with him. Effective immediately, I'm cutting ties with Colin West and Synergy Pro Wrestling. And we have Karam, I don't know if I pronounced it right, Karam Pro. In light of the disgusting behavior of Patrick Shea, uh, Rohit and myself will not be working for Synergy Wrestling April 10th or any of their future dates. A lot of people are hurting from the, the news. Our hearts goes out to you. Let's continue to make this business better. Gabby Ortiz said, effective immediately, I am no longer associated with Synergy Pro Wrestling. And um, Joshua Williamson 
said it appears that Synergy Pro Wrestling has deactivated their account. Good riddance with the buy waving emoji. Like, I don't know who this guy is, but just seeing that is disgusting. It's disgusting. And good. Good. Synergy deactivated their Twitter. Good. Never heard of that promotion, but good riddance. I don't think they're ever going to recover from this ever again. It pro- it's probably going to go out of business. And it's better this way. So th- that's all I could say right here. And I'm just being completely honest with you guys. There is no reason. No reason. Like, the fact that he got away with it since 1999. That sucks. Just wow, man. Wow. I'm absolutely disgusted. Synergy is dead. This Colin guy, Colin West, they should just ban him. Just ban him. Plain and simple. Like, I I think I'm going to erase that guy out of existence. Even if I don't know what Synergy Pro Wrestling is. So, that's that. Like, it's his fault. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others? What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream. And uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me and gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their, lives are, how their lives are going. And you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got, it's been four years since I got back into streaming, you know? Like, I was, the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do, and you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday, make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. Just Shino Phoenix. And you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, Make sure you make an account and you get to do great things as well. So again, make sure you follow me, twitch.tv slash Shino Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now back to our daily show. back uh, I want to make a little correction before we start with the WWE stuff I accidentally said 105 on the opening I meant to say episode 106 you could tell that I was tired last night just working on all of this to uh, make sure I got everything right so I apologize to my listeners it is um 
episode 106, not 105. You like, and I'm probably going to put it down in the description too, to let y'all know that I'm meant to say uh, 106, but I got so much on my mind that I'm said 105 by accident. So I just want to give you guys the heads up. Okay. So that's what happened. So just that little minor, minor hiccup. Let's get on with the rest of the show. WWE could be planning a big post-WrestleMania match for Cesaro. Now, as you guys know, Cesaro has received a renewed push for how long? I don't know. And he's just signed a new contract with the company. And Vince McMahon has interest in him once again. Now, the big question is when Cesaro will get his opportunity against the Universal Champion. Um... According to the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer discussed Cesaro's current direction. Now, it doesn't appear that he will get a Universal title match prior to WrestleMania, so the natural assumption is that WWE is saving Cesaro for after Reigns' match on the grandest stage of them all. Um, so, he said, I guess they're saving Cesaro for after Mania. Now, the idea of Cesaro getting a title shot after WrestleMania might be hard for some impatient fans to accept, but the odds are greater that he might win the title. WWE likely won't mess with their current Universal Champion prior to the show of shows. That title belongs to Roman Reigns until either he retains or he drops it to Edge at WrestleMania. WWE also needs opponents for the Tribal Chief around... uh, after WrestleMania rolls around and Cesaro continues, momentum might really pay off in that regard. <laughs> Just thinking about um, Cesaro versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, I think that would be an excellent match. And I think people will be completely, completely invested in this. And um, Cesaro, speaking of which, he was on the After the Bell podcast and he explained how much a WrestleMania singles match would mean to him. He didn't specify that it has to be for a title, but a chance to go out there and show what he can do on the grandest stage of them all is a, is an opportunity he is striving for. Now, he said a singles match at WrestleMania 37 would mean a lot to me. Here's the thing, though. The locker room is full of people that I would love to have a match with. The thing is to have a match that people are invested in. Me and Seth Rollins started to do something on SmackDown, so maybe there's something there. I always have in my back pocket the best seven between me and Sheamus. That hasn't been decided. For example, Biggie for the IC title, Shinsuke, there's a bunch. To me, I would love to have a singles match at WrestleMania 37 and have a good build-up and good story going into it. I feel like this year, this is the big possibility. Every time somebody asks me, what's your dream match? Or what's your match? What's the match you want to have at, um, uh, <clears throat> at Mania? I'm like, I don't know, because if there's a good story into it, who cares? We looked around the locker room the other day. There's like nobody that I would... I wouldn't want to have a match with it stacked. We'll have to see what the future holds for the Swiss Superman on the road to WrestleMania. 
This year seems different for him. He just signed a new contract and is getting to more time to show what he can do. His current feud with Seth Rollins could also see him earn an opportunity to perform in a singles match at the show of shows, an honor he has more than earned. Now, judging by what I'm seeing, it looks like Cesaro and Rollins is heading into a fast lane match. Like, I would be happy if it is a WrestleMania match, but I feel like they might go with Daniel Bryan and, um, and Rollins. But, um, I don't know. It could be possible, but I would love Cesaro to get a good WrestleMania match. And I think Rollins is a perfect example. I think these two would tear it up and Cesaro gets a big win and that sets him up to challenge for the Universal Championship. I think that's a great idea. Like, you're pushing him for now, but I still ask how long is it going to last? That's where we get the discussion. Speaking of Nakamura, because I know he mentioned Shinsuke. Now, Shinsuke Nakamura implies that he's not happy in the WWE. Now, take that into consideration. Maybe he's not happy with his loss against Apollo last week. Maybe he's just not happy about the booking that he's in right now. Now, for those who don't know, Shinsuke is a former NXT champion, but he hasn't reached the heights that some expected him to on the main roster. Now, don't say that he's happy because that was never something he has said before. Now, one fan... One fan commented on a recent Instagram post of Shinsuke Nakamura... telling him to leave WWE. Now, the video promo that Nakamura cut was on Apollo Crews. Now, a fan said that Nakamura is happy, and a fan posted a comment section by saying he gets to surf and work a safer style. Yeah, it'd be great to see him go all out again somewhere else, but that's not going to happen. The King of Strong Style then cleared things up as he commented back by saying... Like, he seemed to indicate that he's not happy by his post. Who says I'm happy? Don't believe anything I say, anything other than what I say. We'll see what Nakamura decides to do next in his career. He has a ton of ability, but he hasn't received the push in WWE that fans are clamoring for. This could make a very interesting discussion the next time Nakamura's contract comes up for negotiation. So... Like, I don't know what happens with Shinsuke, but, like, you could tell that he was promised a big push. Like, he was the last man standing in that gauntlet match until he lost Adam Pierce, And they could have went back to that story and have uh, Nakamura call out um, Roman Reigns. But it looks like they scrapped that because... Originally, Cesaro was supposed to be the guy to stand tall in the gauntlet match, just to show how they care about Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, if he's not happy, the only thing I would suggest, move it, send him to NXT. Send him to NXT where he could be happy. But if he's not happy, and he's still not happy there, just let him go. Let him go. Oh, but that's right, you don't want to let him go because you don't want him to go to the other competition. Where he might thrive. And you don't want that now, do you? So, if I'm WWE, you better do what's right. 
Because this, this guy has been criminally underutilized in the main roster. And I feel like they just don't know what to do with him. And that's sad. Like, he should have been a WWE champion. Like, I hope that they fix that. They have the power to fix it, but they just refuse. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. Samoa Joe, who's been on commentary, he wants to hold a top title in WWE. Now, Up Rocks recently interviewed Samoa Joe where he admitted that winning a top title in WWE is a piece he wants to secure his legacy. He hasn't been given that opportunity yet, but it is something that he's working on. Now, he said those titles are calling cards for a legacy. If something that's sought after, it's been on perseverance and time. I've existed in a career uh, wrought with doubt by others. I've learned to shut it out and never listen to it because honestly, honestly, I never had to accept those results and we found a way to get it done. So we're just going to on that right now. Just being strategic about it. Now he's been um quiet about his in-ring return, so we don't know when Samoa Joe's going to be coming back in the ring. So like yes, he should be a WWE champion. I feel like that should happen when he's out of the commentary table and he focuses on his in-ring career. I think that would be nice. So, um, that's all I could say. And I think it's the right decision if this company actually has the gall to, uh, do what's right. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm going to save this next story for later when we talk about Monday Night Raw, but let's get on with this one. Chelsea Green has upped her contract with the company. And this is according to Fightful Select. They have reported that Chelsea Green signed a new three-year deal with the company. She's been sidelined since last November as she suffered a wrist injury that resulted in her undergoing surgery, undergoing the knife. She made her SmackDown debut by working a Fatal 4-Way qualifying match for an opportunity for uh, the SmackDown Women's Survivor Series team. She has yet to make her return to in-ring action, but she has been working out at the Performance Center. Now, per the report, she signed the contract at some point since suffering the injury, and her original contract was set to expire in the summer. Now, before she made her main roster debut, uh, some within the company wanted to bring her up from NXT as there were several pitches amongst the creative team, but those ideas weren't used. So, you're going to be seeing more Chelsea Green... In the next three years. And I hope WWE pushes her. Because she is incredibly talented. And um. I think she has what it takes to just. Go out there and show the world she's. Good in charisma. And I think she's going to be a future champion one day. If given the opportunity. So. If they're in the mood of pushing younger talent. By all means. I think Chelsea Green would be perfect. So. I think she would be a great heel now that I think about it. So, that's that. Now, let's talk about some injury news and updates. Now, we know last week, Asuka got a wicked boot in the face of Shayna Baszler that caused her to lose a tooth. Now, she is not cleared to wrestle right now. 
Now, Dave Meltzer uh, talked about it on the Wrestling Observer. He also mentioned that she might have suffered a concussion, which takes up to about 10 or 14 days to recover from. So, if it's, if it's a... Like, I don't think it's that serious. I hope Oscar could recover from that and get ready for WrestleMania. Um, but, um... It's possible that she did, in my honest opinion. Because WWE does not post updates when a talent is concussed. Because they always keep that quiet. Now, as of this writing, WWE has not announced an opponent for Asuka at Fastlane. Now, an opponent will likely be announced once she's cleared. And speaking of Asuka, I said I wanted to save this for the Raw review, for the Raw portion which I really don't have much to say about Monday Night Raw besides two things. But get this. There was a... Oh my God, just reading this just aggravates me a little bit. Now, in case you guys don't know, and this is according to FIFO Select, the original plan for the Elimination Chamber match between Lacey Evans and Asuka was for Lacey Evans to win the Raw Women's title from Asuka. Those words that I never wanted to hear come out of my mouth. Lacey Evans was penciled in to win the Raw Women's title from Asuka at the Elimination Chamber. And it would have continued her feud with Charlotte Flair going into WrestleMania. Now... The plan was scrapped because she was pulled due to her being really pregnant. She was legitimately pregnant. And I saw some asshole on Twitter. I'm not going to give him his name because he doesn't deserve it. He made some disgusting comments to the point that I had to unfollow him. Because it's just you being a complete asshole. There's a difference between being a fan and there's a huge difference of you being a fucking asshole. So, that's all I could say right here. But, now, I, I want to go back to what would have happened. Now, Lacey Evans and Charlotte have zero chemistry in the ring. Like, it is clearly evident that have, they have no chemistry at all. And, um, it was, it's just so baffling that the people backstage thinks this is a WrestleMania-worthy match. When you clearly saw that these two have no chemistry at all. Now, like, I really wanted to save this for the Raw portion, but it's not even worth my time. But I just say, this is how this company thinks of Asuka? Just have her lose the title at the Elimination Chamber to pad out Charlotte trying to avenge her partner, and I'm doing this in air quote, her partner, by winning the Raw Women's title back. Like, I don't get it. Like, this does not get me sympathy. Now, thankfully, those plans are scrapped. But it looks like we know where the direction they're going to go with for the Raw Women's title at uh, at WrestleMania this year. So, I will have my thoughts on that. But the fact that they honestly think Lacey Evans winning the Raw Women's title will enhance the feud with Charlotte Flair is going to make it must-see, it's not. It's not. It was one of the worst, like, the worst feuds ever in that women's division. 
Like, you, you can't compete with that. It is terrible. It was literally something that's changed the channel worthy. But, like I said, thankfully, those plans have been scrapped. So, I just wanted to throw that out there. And you just look at Asuka, man. I just say, where was she would have gone? Even if she lost the title, she's, she would have just been an afterthought. And that's how they booked her whole title reign. It's been a complete afterthought. And I don't understand why. They are making it so hard to book worthy contenders not named Charlotte Flair. You could have had Shayna Baszler. I'm just saying you could have built up Peyton Royce. Like, I'm saying, but you're not doing that. You're not doing that. And that's sad. And speaking of Charlotte Flair, she actually pitched to work a program with Andrade. And we haven't seen much of Andrade since. Now, Andrade hasn't worked a match since last October. Now, it featured him dropping a loss to Angel Garza. And he's been paired with Vega. He's been paired with Vega and Garza on WWE television last year. But he lost his big push after Paul Heyman departed from his role as Raw Executive Director, who was replaced by everyone's favorite buddy, Bruce. Mm-hmm. It's been reported that Heyman was behind the pushes of Andrade, Ricochet, Alistair Black, and others. Most of those names haven't been used the same way since Heyman left the position. Charlotte Flair, who is in a relationship, she is engaged to Andrade was asked during an interview with TV Insider whether she would be open to working with her boyfriend or her fiancé on television. Now it turns out that Flair has pitched the idea to WWE officials, but it hasn't happened yet. She said, I've actually pitched that. I would be very much open to that. I've done a lot in my career, but nobody has seen me in on-cam uh, relationship or in the light, or in that light, I can come across cold on TV. Now, last December, it was December of last year, WrestleVotes reported that there had been an idea to discuss to have Flair and Andrade paired on TV when they returned. And now that didn't happen because um, Flair returned at the TLC pay-per-view to win the women's tag titles with Asuka. I mean, they could still go with it. I mean, you could build up Andrade, which apparently Vince has given up on Andrade, which I don't understand why. Like, Charlotte would be okay with this. Like, she doesn't need to win a title. She could help get uh, Andrade over as the next top heel or the next top babyface or whatever. But come on. I think it will work. Because Andrade has been misused mishandled, underutilized. Need I go on? But you you know where I'm going with this, right? Like, come on, man. Come on. That, that's not cool. That's just... I, I, would, I would not mind it. Because it would be something different for Charlotte to do instead of going after a title. Because you know people are already tired of that. It would be different. And I would not mind it at all. Just saying... But I think it will really make Andrade look special, I guess. But um, 
that's all I could say right here. Continuing with the injury stories, we got Wesley from MSK. He is out of action with an injury and is, is legit when he did a dive. And he's taking time off to recover from a broken hand. Now, again, the dive spot is is literally the reasons why we hear injuries, but whatever. But um, he did a dive in a tag team match against the Grizzled Young Vets. And that's why there's no tag team title match against Lorcan and Birch against MSK. That was originally scheduled, but because he hurt his hand, the angle, the injury angle that they did on TV was just a cover-up for the real injury. Now, Meltzer also noted that Casey Catanzaro is said to be okay. Even though she claimed that she suffered a broken leg last week, she was seen wearing a leg brace and during the match, so she might be dealing with her knee issues, but she's not expected to be out so long. And we all know, like I mentioned, Asuka is not cleared right now because she might have suffered a concussion. And, um, and speaking of Kat and Zaro, she did mention that, um, she's dealing with a partial LCL tear. So we don't know how long she's going to be, uh, out of action. So that's the injury update right now. So that's the thing that we got so far. Now, let's talk about a little beef that's been going on between Soldier Boy and Randy Orton on Twitter. It was a Twitter beef going on. Now, how did this start? It was because the spat led to Soldier Boy, the rapper, saying that um rap game faker than WWE. Retribution T-Bar chimed in to defend WWE and pro wrestling in general by saying, does the rap game takes years off your life and leaves you with countless injuries and debilitating pain? Oh, well, maybe just stick to super soaking hoes or whatever it is you did 15 years ago. <laughs> savage burn by savage tweet of T-Bar. Things escalated when Orton saw the tweet. He tweeted, Fake, dare this prick to step up. He doesn't like. He don't like movies. Consider us actors that do stunts without pads 200 days a year and don't bitch when we get surgically repaired and come right back. Consider us. Consider us 100 times tougher than anyone you've come across. Ain't nothing but a bitch ass. <laughs> Fucking Randy. Fucking Randy being a savage here. He continued in another tweet by saying, P.S. Uh, San Benito. San Benito will beat the fuck out of you. Why? How? Because he's seen our world, respects it, and knows what it takes and finds himself lucky to be a part of it. Um, you want to talk fake? Pawn that cheap ass chain and come work for a... For it, you one-hit wonder ass motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god, Randy, you savage bitch. Now, Soldier Boy responded, and Orton quickly fired back by saying, Crank that came out in 2007. You had a hell of a year. Serious dollars. Hats off to you, my dude. Here's a thing, though. I like rap. I bump that shit all day. Um... 
Like, that's Orton responding fastly. I bumped that shit all day, whether it's Tunichi, Meek, Jay-Z, but you call what I do to survive fake? Fuck that. Come to my world and say that. I dare you. Now, another response from Orton says, you spin facts. Seems like you spin the same mess you rap about. Nut. Clear your throat, my dog, and be there. Enough talk. Back it up. Now, I know Alexa Bliss, she chimed in because Soldier Boy thought she was doing the, uh, the Crank That Soldier Boy dance. And clearly, Soldier Boy does not watch pro wrestling. And I know this. When Alexa Bliss was facing Asuka on SmackDown, and she's like, I was literally imitating what Asuka was doing. That is not Crank That Soldier Boy. <laughs> like, she just destroyed... She just destroyed Soldier Boy. And I just loved seeing... <laughs> yep. Randy just killed... <laughs> killed Soldier Boy on Twitter right there. That was a savage burn by Randy Orton. He just went off on, on this guy. Just, wow, man. <laughs> I really don't know what to say. Just, wow. <laughs> Savage, savage tweets go to Randy Orton because he just destroyed him. There is no coming back from Soldier Boy. Now, let me see if I can find that Alexa Bliss tweet. Let me find that Alexa Bliss tweet about Soldier Boy because that was just gold. Now, because I know Alexa joined Randy Orton and now Alexa Bliss pretty much warned Soldier Soldier Boy uh, about Randy's wrath. And Alexa said, what's, so what's a Soldier Boy? Well, whatever it is, Randy is not happy with it. Hashtag, watch me, you. <laughs> just savagery. Oh my goodness. I just love it when they put another person in their place. It's just, it brings great joy to me. It really does. Now, before we get to the big story involving WWE, um, Kayla Braxton announces that she's bisexual. Now, she took to Twitter to announce to the world that she is bisexual. And Braxton, real name Kayla Becker, tweeted, My whole life, I've had to choose, are you black, are you white? Which bubble do you fit fill in on the SATs? I always filled in others because nothing ap applied to me. Tonight... I choose to be over having to choose. Hello, world. I'm Kayla, and oh yeah, I'm bi. Although she had no obligation to share this publicly, I'm sure there are many fans out there who will be inspired by her. But, um, you know how fa some other crazy fans are. They want to attack her for being bisexual. And it led to a point that she deactivated her Twitter account again. So, this leads to just craziness, you know, just fans being complete idiots. And that's what we got. So that's just a little minor story. So I'm glad that Kayla came out saying that she's bisexual. I don't have a problem with it. And um, I wish her nothing but the best. Plain and simple. Now we get to the big story. And 
I'm going to say it right now. Hallelujah. The Wednesday Night Wars are coming to an end next month. I can't wait. Now, the Matt Men Pro Wrestling Podcast, who are part of the Wrestling Observer rest, uh, website family, they are reporting that WWE is going to move NXT from Wednesday to Tuesday night. Now, the move essentially means that the war with AEW is over. The move is not totally unexpected because there was plenty of speculations about NXT moving nights when news broke in January about the NBC Sports Network shutting down and NHL games on Wednesday moving to the USA Network later this year. Now, Dave Meltzer confirmed on Twitter that there was a discussion on February 24th about the show moving to a different night, but nothing was final as of the as of that date. Apparently, a decision has been made, and an announcement is expected soon. The Matt Men podcast noted that the show will move to Tuesday on April 13th, so that is right. That is the Raw after WrestleMania. Now, this is great news for AEW. It's, and it will give them a boost in the ratings. And this will be bad news for Impact Wrestling on Access unless they choose to move their show to <clears throat> Thursday. Because I feel like that's where they're going to move it to. <clears throat> Thursday. So, if that's the case. Now... It is considered a done deal, according to Brian Alvarez. Um, He said that internally, inside the network, it's a done deal. Now, WrestlingNews.co were told that advertisers were told that if they wanted to buy advertising within the two-hour NXT block, then they would have to buy ads for a Tuesday night as of April 13th, which is the Tuesday after WrestleMania. So, NXT is not moving to Tuesday is not a surprise, but it is a great move for both NXT and for both AEW because they could grow their audience without being unopposed, and it was and it's evident. It's evident they do great numbers unopposed, and that's something that I like. And we don't have to worry about the war. We could watch. NXT on Tuesday, which is the best move, and we can make the argument that um, NXT was there first. But look, and I know there's going to be some AEW shield that's going to say, yeah, we chase NXT out of Wednesday night. That's not the case, bro. That's not the case. The case is hockey and NBC uh, sports studio shutting down play the factor. AEW's ratings... Didn't play a factor. But it was the right decision. And Vince could try and tout... Could do this all he wants. Saying that he wants to stop the momentum of AEW. He knew it failed. When he put NXT on there. But this benefits both parties. Everyone wins in the end. And I like it. I really do. I think this is a great move. I feel like NXT would benefit a lot on Tuesday. AEW is going to benefit without going on a post. And it makes it easier for me and everybody because you don't have to flip back and forth and watch NXT and then watch AEW and just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on your TV or if you're on your phone or on your computer watching it. 
You don't have to flip tab after tab. This is great. NXT moving to Tuesday will benefit them much more. It will benefit them much more. They can focus on getting their own viewers up. Instead of trying to stop the momentum of another promotion. Which is not even needed. NXT could do fine by itself. And I guarantee you. We might be seeing them at the 900s. And we might see them at the 800s. There's going to be a chance they go up. There's a chance it's going to go down. Same with AEW. So that war was fucking meaningless. I never gave a shit about the Wednesday Night Wars. But you know there's going to be people who's going to use the stats and just say, oh, this, oh, that. Like, oh, AEW's better. Oh, fuck NXT. Like, just saying. But that, that's how I feel about this whole Wednesday Night War thing. Thank Christ that is coming to an end. And we have two different nights to watch a great wrestling show on Tuesday and a great wrestling show on Wednesday. This is great. This is great news for me. That way I don't have to put stress on myself to watch two things back and forth and pay attention to one thing and not paying attention to another thing. That's the best move WWE has to make. And I'm glad they're taking that approach. I can't wait for NXT Tuesday. I think that's going to be great. AEW is going to be fine by itself. All right? So I'm not upset about it. Now, speaking of NXT, they might have confirmed the next uh, TakeOver show. Now, if you canceled your subscription for the WWE Network, WWE tries to convince you not to cancel and has three upcoming list events listed. March 21st is, of course, Fastlane, which is an unnecessary pay-per-view, in my honest opinion. But April 8th, which is on a Thursday... We get an NXT TakeOver on a Thursday. And of course, WrestleMania for both nights. And it's been rumored WWE will hold a Hall of Fame ceremony virtually, but no date has been confirmed. I'm going to suggest that it's going to be Wednesday, but I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe on Tuesday they're going to do the Hall of Fame. I don't know. but And here's another twist to this. There's talks that NXT TakeOver might be a two-night event. Now, remember, it is talked about. It's not official yet. We have to wait for the said announcement. So, I don't have an issue with it. I think this is going to be fine. So, I don't have a problem with it. And it gives more people time for Tuesday, especially in NXT... Just to rest up for a bit if running are done with the live show. So, I think that's a good move. Now, there's another story that broke when I was reading it, when I was taking a break. Um, There's been talks, and this is according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, that there's, there's a story going around that WWE is now fining superstars for slapping their legs. Now, it might be interesting to pay attention to that from now on. Now, th- this is according to Wrestling Observer. Take it with a grain of salt. There was a story going around that WWE was finding wrestlers for thigh slapping when throwing kicks for sound effects, a practice that has been in wrestling as far back as I can remember. So, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a stupid idea to find someone for just, like, slapping their thigh 
to make the kick more impactful. So, I don't know. It's just dumb. Another dumb edict by Vince McMahon, but whatever. And I know there's some old school heads that don't like the, the thigh slapping to make it sound more impactful. I mean, you can see it when it's evident right there. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So, anyway, that's pretty much the news for now. And let's talk about Monday Night Raw for a bit. I really don't have any thoughts, but there was only two things I will say about the show that was good. But, um, the rest, I'll try and plow through as much as I can. Now, I thought Drew McIntyre, he opened the show. He pretty much came out and he like he made a statement on to the men who got his way and he made it clear he was going to put Sheamus behind him and get back his WWE title either the Miz or Lashley was done at, uh for tonight so the A-lister came out and he tries to convince uh, McIntyre to help him defeat Bobby Lashley. So MVP arrives, makes a formal announcement that Lashley would have his title match at the top of the hour, giving the A-lister at least one hour to prepare. So we get this uh, match between uh, Sheamus and uh, and um, Drew McIntyre. I thought this was a really good match. This was one of the highlights of the show. And they really put like 20 plus minutes into their match. And they have really good chemistry. I'm not going to lie. They have really good chemistry in the ring. But McIntyre, he won with the uh, Claymore kick, and that was it. So it looks like they're building him up to challenge uh, for the WWE title. So then we got Nia Jax and Naomi. This match lasted two minutes. I did not care about this match. Naomi got squashed in two minutes by Nia Jax. Let me say that again. Naomi got squashed by Nia Jax in two minutes. Two minutes. So, I I just don't get it. You built up Naomi and Lana to be future contenders of the women's tag titles, and they're losing in less than two minutes. They're getting squashed in less than two minutes. How am I supposed to take this team seriously? I'm just saying... Like, I, I don't get it. But Naomi is better than this man. Like, she really is. Like, I just vision her going to the Hurt Business and just being groomed to challenge for the Raw Women's title. How is that not hard? Put her in the Hurt Business with MVP, Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, and um Shelton Benjamin. It will work. Trust me, I work for free, damn it. Then we got Strowman coming out, and he called out Shane and Pierce for cheating him out of opportunities. Blah, blah, blah. This is building towards Shane O'Mac versus Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. Oh, joy. Like, I can't wait to see that match. So, this is what they did. They had, like, Shane had, um... Braun Strowman teamed with Adam Pearce. And they took on the Raw Tag Team Champions. And it just exposes how thin the tag team division is in WWE. Because WWE does not know how to book tag team divisions properly. 
on the main roster. Just saying. But this match was literally a waste of time. I, I did not care about this. Alexander and Benjamin, they defeated Strowman and um, Pierce to uh, retain. Apparently, it was for the Raw Tag Team titles. But I did not care. I did not care. Like, you had Shane yelling at uh, Braun to tag Pierce in. And Pierce tagged in. He gets caught with an inside cradle, and that's it. Waste of time. Waste of time. Just, I got nothing. We had Elias taking on Damian Priest. Uh, did not really care about this match, but Priest, he won. They're continuing his momentum. Hit the lights. Goodbye, Elias. Then we get, like, I'm just going to go over everything that happened, like, with the Miz stuff. Miz, he had a title match in the first hour. He complained that he had cramps, and then he gave him another hour, and literally, he won by countout because Miz just, just ran out. He ran out. And then we, the, the third hour, they said that, look, Shane said, look, Miz is going to defend his title tonight. If he leaves, he drops the title, he vacates the title, and it's going to be a lumberjack match. And you know how much I hate lumberjack matches because you know it ends in chaos. But thankfully, it did not end in chaos. Yes, the story made sense. Miz is a chicken shit heel. But it was, you were delaying my time. And you know I don't like my time being wasted. So that's what happened. So Charlotte Flair, she comes out. She talked about what she wanted at WrestleMania. She had to put everything behind her with Ric Flair and Lacey Evans. And she wants, she wanted to fight Asuka, though she had to wait until the Empress of Tomorrow was healthy because of a brutal kick from Shayna Baszler, which, like I mentioned, knocked her tooth out. And she's going to be out for a while. And Charlotte putting her over, saying that, She's a fighter. She's If there's one thing I know about Oscar, she's a fighter. She's going to come back stronger than ever. And pretty much put her stamp of approval, the Charlotte Golden Girl stamp of approval of challenging the Raw Women's Champion because WWE doesn't know who to build up beside Charlotte Flair. Now, the pro in this is that Oscar and Charlotte have great, have great chemistry. The con is that I feel like they're going to take the title off of Oscar because... They haven't done jack shit with her as the Raw Women's Champion. And she's been unlucky when it comes to WrestleMania. Like, I don't know if Rhea Ripley's going to be coming pretty soon because they did air a vignette for her. Like, I think they, she should come right now and make Charlotte's life a living hell. And you build up... And I am giving them this idea, and there's no way in the bloody fuck that you can fuck this shit up. You make Charlotte's life a living hell with Rhea Ripley. Rhea costs Charlotte the uh, championship match. Oscar retains, even though it's not a clean win, but it still counts as a win, though. And you build up a feud between Charlotte and Rhea while Oscar feuds with a Naomi from when she's put into her business. I am giving you so much ideas. How can you not screw this up? And you, you just, just find a way to screw it up. Or you could have her feud with Shayna Baszler. Just saying, I'm throwing some ideas out here, WWE. I'm throwing some ideas out there, Vince McMahon. I'm throwing some ideas for you, Bruce. I'm just saying. 
But anyway, the Queen of Spade arrives on cue. The champs made it clear they wanted Asuka instead and would go through the Queen to do it. And they attacked, a, they attacked Charlotte. And I, I just... This match lasted three minutes, okay? Now, Charlotte was going to win regardless. Like, it could have ended in a disqualification to protect both women. I'm just saying. But, you know... Beggars cannot be choosers. Then we had a filler match between Retribution versus Mustafa, not not Mustafa Ali, Retribution versus Riddle and Lucha House Party. They won that match. Then we get Riddle versus Ali, and then Ali wins this match, possibly setting up Ali versus Riddle for the United States title at uh, Fastlane. Then we get to the main event, which was a Lumberjack match. Bobby Lashley finally did what he had to do. And my goodness, man, that WWE title looks good on Bobby Lashley. He looks like a million fucking bucks. 15 long years. Bobby Lashley has finally achieved the biggest title that he hasn't won. And he did. He won the WWE Championship. And I could not be more proud of uh, Lashley. He deserves it. And um, I, I want him to have a lengthy run, run with the title. Sorry, Drew, but it's Lashley's turn. It's Lashley's time right now. Like, I think... And also, credit goes to MVP, man, because MVP deserves most of the credit. He is, in my honest opinion, one of... Like, how would I say this? Just... I feel like MVP has been the biggest focal point for the Hurt Business. And I think he's legitimately the MVP of um, the uh, of this stable. And I love it. I really love it. I think it's great. And I think they should give... They should let Lashley have a long run with the title until SummerSlam. I think that's where you drop the title. Like, that's how I feel. In my honest opinion. So, that... That's that. That's that. So that's Raw. Nothing really happened. I really didn't care besides Lashley winning the title from The Miz. Thank Christ. And um, a really good match between uh, McIntyre and Sheamus. So those were the only good things that I loved about the show. Let's talk NXT for a bit. I thought NXT was a decent show. It was. They had some funny moments with the therapy session. But, um... It did set up for what we got a loaded card next week, I believe, for um, NXT. But we have two big matches next week. The women's title and the NXT championship on the line. So, that's what we got. Some quick notes. Oni Larkin and Danny Burst defeated Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. Thatcher was distracted by Marcel Bartel from Imperium, which, hmm, is Timothy Thatcher going to join Imperium? With Alexander Wolf and Fabian Eichner and Walter Rainkamp? Oh my god, yes. Make it happen. Because Ciampa and Thatcher, I don't think they could stay long as a team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't think that should happen at all. But um, I will. I, that's a nice tease though. I think that's really good storytelling. Because if you don't watch the indies... Timothy Thatcher used to be in a stable with Marcel Bartel and Walter. 
I think that's great. And I'm glad that's a nice callback that they're doing right now. Because I could see Marcel trying to tell Thatcher, you got to join us. Because, look, Walter, he's doing his own thing in the UK. We need a leader like you. And you could see the change happen. Like, Walter needs you. And boom, it works. Now, Roderick Strong, he comes out, calls out Adam Cole for what he did to him yesterday. You have Finn Balor coming out instead, and he tells Roddy that Cole won't be coming out for him, and Roddy is interrupting him, and he blames Finn Balor for everything that happened with the Undisputed Era. And Finn says, what, it's my fault that I broke up, that they broke up because... Well, Finn says that they broke up because of this NXT title, and he will gladly put his title on the line next week against Adam Cole. And he tells Roderick Strong that you'll never be on on top until you develop a killer instinct. And we get a brawl between um between Roddy and Finn, which later we get a match between these two uh, in the main event. Now the way therapy, this was funny. I thought the first one was funny. Um, Austin Theory claimed that he was on vacation with Dexter Loomis, while Candice suggests that you being locked up with a dude for three days isn't a vacation. And you see. Indy Hartwell writing Mrs. Indy Wrestling Loomis. And Gargano says that she ruined Christmas and the gift of the name that he gave her. Now, the therapist, this was a funny line. Gargano said, I don't want to be therapied on. <laughs> that is gold. I'm sorry, that's gold. I don't want to be therapied on. <laughs> Whoever came up with that, I think that was a great line. That was a great line, but the therapist kicks uh, Johnny Gargano out. And I got to say, Gargano has been killing it right now as a heel. And he's excelling at it so well. We had Ember Moon defeating Aaliyah. This was not a good match, unfortunately. Lots of shenanigans, but it's just their filler. Then we get the women's tag titles. And before we did that, they showed a hype vignette for... uh. Tony Storm versus Io Shirai. I don't think Tony's winning because every time she's constantly mentioning that you'll never beat me one-on-one, that usually means that the champion is going to beat you, okay? So I will not do that. And I threw out the idea, and I'm probably going to tweet about it later on. I literally said, what if Io retains the title? She celebrates, but she gets attacked by Bailey. And that sets up their match for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver. And I even asked that to Sean Ross Sapp in his Q&A. And he agrees. He likes that idea. He wants... He would want that idea. Like, I think that's great. Because Bayley isn't doing anything on SmackDown right now. And yes, you could, you could say that her feuding with Bianca would be a great title match. But I think... Because right now she's not doing much of anything. I see her... And EO for the title is a money match. And that would cement EO's reign as possibly one of the greatest NXT women's champions. Because she is that good. And also, congratulations to EO Shirai. Because she, this is her 15th year as a pro wrestler. So, a round of applause for EO Shirai, man. She's been killing it. And you look at her now. She's really one of the top names in that women's division. So, I love it. Now... Back to the women's tag title match. This was pretty good for what it was until the ending. This is where we get a little 
Controversy. Ooh. Controversy in this match. Now, Raquel accidentally big accidentally hit a boot on not only Nia Jax, but she hit a boot on the ref. And both Nia and Raquel were taken out. You see Adam Pierce bringing a raw official and I think Dakota wasn't even the legal person on the team and the ref just called for the bell. Talk about a screw job. And you see like later on you see Regal just arguing with um Adam Pierce for what he did. And later during the show we had um William Regal saying because of what happened in the women's tag title match, he he says he, he'll make an announcement that will change the landscape of NXT forever. And the rumor is right now that there's going to be a new set of women's tag titles only for the NXT brand. Now, yes, I understand that the NXT has the best women's division, but it does not need another title. I don't know, man. Like, I don't think it's a good idea. It defeats the purpose of them intertwining between all three brands. And I just think, like, yes, you it would be needed, but you don't need another title. That's six titles. I think five is better. Like, five is less. You're not doing anything with the NXT Cruiserweight title. I mean, the real champions in the UK. I'm just saying. But, um, whenever shit dies down, I feel like we're gonna have the rightful Cruiserweight champion, which I'm still saying is Jordan Devlin. But, um, I don't know, man. There's just... Yes... You got, you got Dakota and Raquel. You got Candice and Indy. You got Casey and Caden. Like, you got Aaliyah and uh, Jesse Kamea. I believe you got Zia Lee and uh, Tang Shi, if I pronounced it right. But we haven't seen her debut yet. But I just don't think it's not needed right now. Now, I could see there was an evolution... I could see an all-women's takeover, which, trust me, I would not mind. And you showcase the future for uh, your women's division. I think that would be nice. A separate takeover on one night, and then a regular takeover for the next night? I think that's a good idea. But if they are going to have the women's tag titles, I think they're going to announce it if they have all the women in the... uh, by the entrance ramp. And I think that's what they're going to do. I feel like that's what their plan is. But I, I just don't think it's necessary though. But that's that. That's how I feel about them possibly announcing the women's tag titles. I just think it's not the appropriate time. And it's not even needed. Like I'm just saying. But if you wanted, if you wanted more power to you. I just think they should build their uh, women's division even more because right now NXT has a stacked women's division and it's one of the best in the United States right now. So, I don't know, man. If you guys want to share your thoughts, you could do that as well. Um, You could pause it and you just think if there should be a women's tag title for the NXT brand. But, and also, the con is, it defeats the purpose of the women's tag title intertwining between Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. So, 
I feel like that's what their plan is. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. Yes, it gets more TV time for the women, but it just... You gotta put... I don't know, man. But I know Triple H is gonna make that better than how Vince is booking it. Plain and simple. That That's how I see it. Now, continuing with uh, the way therapy... Now, Theory said that Loomis might need a friend and Indy would be Loomis's friend. Candice was getting text messages to say stuff that are clearly coming from Gargano. And the therapist kicks out Candice and Indy as well. So, they kick them out and that leads part two to be continued. So, that's part three, which will be coming soon. We got a vignette of Isaiah Swerve Scott in the studio. And he talks about Leon Ruff getting handed opportunities while he got nothing. And says that he doesn't care about playing the good guy anymore. And I am loving this attitude of Isaiah Swerve Scott. I think he's killing it right now. And I think he might be the next big heel for either the mid-card or the top division. So, I say keep it rolling. Because him feuding with Leon Ruff, that's magic. I think that's really good. Then we get the in the NXT debut of L. A. Knight, a.k.a. Eli Drake, comes out, makes his NXT debut, and he talks about Brady wishing he was as good as at his job as L.A. Knight is in wrestling and talked about being wasn't being uh, a first-round draft pick, but he's still going to shine. Talks about being the last of a dying breed, and people already say that he might be the best NXT star of all time, which he gets interrupted by Bronson Reed, whose theme is fucking badass. And speaking of themes, Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes, who had a match against Bronson Reed made because William Regal wanted, um, William Regal pretty much told him, you're not going to rename my uh, arena the CGA, but you have a match later on tonight. And you're going to be taking on Bronson Reed. And they finally did it. Everybody was requesting it. And they fucking did it. They gave Cameron Grimes a Josiah Williams remix uh, song. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy. That was all I could think about. But LA Knight got involved. Bronson Reed was going to go for the big splash. But LA Knight got involved. So it looks like that's a feud that's going to happen. And Cameron Grimes hits the cave-in, and he wins. Because, look, Cameron Grimes is great. I love it. <laughs> to the moon! So, we get the part of the way, the therapy, the last one. Austin Theory talks about being in a small room with the windows boarded up, and he was watching cartoons while eating cereal. I love cereal, trust me. Like, if you had to ask me what's my favorite cereals, I would say Rice Krispies, I would say Fruit Loops, Captain Crunch, um, I do love Apple Jacks, and Frosted Flakes. I think they're really good. Um, now, the therapist said that he spoke to Dexter Loomis, and we all know this is a lie, because Dexter Loomis doesn't talk. Now, the therapist said that Loomis apparently ran down Austin to the therapist and said that he was so irritated and annoyed by him. This caused Theory to have his feelings hurt. <laughs> and he started crying. Crying out of the therapist's room. I want daddy. Why would he say this to me? And 
right as soon as the way was leaving Johnny actually paid off the therapist to say those bad things about Loomis so you know it was full of shit but it was entertaining though I thought it was funny we had Legato del Fantasma they attacked Brizongo and Everrise they were supposed to have a match but that didn't happen and pretty much Santos Escobar is pretty is not done with carrying cross so I don't know where this is going but um, it looks like we might get a takeover match between these two. Who knows? We'll find out. I thought Finn Balor and Roderick Strong was really good in the main event. Finn Balor won with the coup de gras, And we had Adam Cole on the ramp just staring a hole in uh, Finn Balor. And they just had to stare down to close the show. So next week should be interesting. Like, two title matches. You got Zia Lee taking on Caden Carter. I don't know what else they're going to announce, but um, I think those two big title matches are going to seal the deal. And I hope they go with my idea. Have Bailey attack EO post-match. And Because um, look, as much as I love Tony Storm, I adore her, I, I just don't see her winning it right now. Like, like I said, I want her heel turn to just c- continue playing out right now. Let it grow even more because she just turned in late December. And you gotta let it go, go, go even further. And I would say have Tony Storm feud with Ember Moon after losing to EO. I think that would make the most sense. Because who turned on her? Who turned on Ember Moon? Tony Storm. That makes sense, in my honest opinion. We got the NXT UK. Uh, the only match I wanted to talk about was the NXT UK Women's Championship match. But um, I gotta say this. This is hands down one of the best women's matches on NXT UK. And I'm not taking anything away from Kaylee Ray and Mako Satomura. Um, I just feel like the title should have switched hands. But overall, the match was fantastic. It was a great match. Two great wrestlers in the ring. But I think WWE made a mistake on having Mako Satomura challenge for the NXT Women's Championship so early. Now, if she was going to lose to Kaylee Ray, they could have built her up. Like, I know it's not, and I know it's not uh, Mako's time because it would have been too soon. But judging by what they did at the end for uh for that UK show. You saw Valkyrie in the corner staring a hole at Kaylee Ray. So, because remember, she is undefeated. And it looks like they're going to put the title on her going into uh, their next program. I think that's the next person Kaylee Ray is going to be facing. And I don't think Kaylee Ray has ever faced Valkyrie. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But the match itself was great. I would recommend it. Watch it. It's really good. Because remember, Mako is not only a performer, she's a coach for the uh, Performance Center at the UK. So, I think that's a good move. I actually don't have a problem with this, but I know most people do. But, yes, Kaylee Ray has been around for so long. And I know people are are getting tired of Kaylee Ray. I feel like they're saving that title for Valkyrie. And I think that's where they're going to go with. But I I wanted Mako to win because there's really nothing else for Kaylee to do on NXT UK. She's done it all. So I think we might... See, and we saw like some changes with uh, Isla Dawn. We're, we're getting a video p- vignette for Aaliyah James, who I think is impressive. Like, 
lots of stuff happening in NXT UK. I feel like they're just so underappreciated. But really good women's match. And I would recommend watching it. That's all I'm going to tell you. But Kaylee Ray, her reign continues on as the NXT UK Women's Champion. Finally, we come to the conclusion of talking about SmackDown, which I thought was a meh show. But the opening segment and the ending I thought was really good, in my honest opinion. But um, we opened the show with Daniel Bryan, well, Michael Cole interviewing Daniel Bryan. Now... Brian, he makes it in, he makes his entrance, and Cole lays out the stakes for the steel cage match, like we already know what the stakes are. Now, as well as recounting the history of the supposed tag team that was supposed to happen at Fastlane between Edge and Daniel Bryan against Roman and Jey Uso, and I'm like, wait, this was the match that was supposed to be planned? Now, Daniel Bryan says... Oh, Michael Cole, you're just making too many assumptions. And he said the biggest of which is that anyone is that anyone even asked him about a tag match. Nobody ran anything to him because they know he rolls with the punches and does whatever he's asked, whatever he's asked of him to work. And he works his butt off. Now, he understands why Edge didn't ask him, why Roman didn't bother to ask him. And even why management didn't bother to ask him. Hmm, kind of like how the creative process works behind the scenes in WWE. So, I think Daniel Bryan did a shoot on that. (laughs) Now, he's like, I get it, it's a dream match. He's the only one that doesn't want to see it. So he's going to do his damnness to make sure it doesn't happen. Now he asks Michael to excuse him, because... He has his own video package, which is a recap of the Elimination Chamber for the number one contendership of the Universal Championship and the Universal Championship match Daniel Bryan had against Roman Reigns, which Roman easily just destroyed him with. And Edge spearing him, choosing him for WrestleMania, and pointing at the sign. Now, Bryan talked about the post-match attack, and he never felt like such a failure as he did at the moment. Now, people don't know this, but he doesn't have a lot of ambition, and he recounts the story of him taking a test and getting the lowest ambition score out of anybody on the roster. Now, he says he loves wrestling, and he doesn't feel like he has to work and work a day in at least 21 years. And he mentions at this point he's going to be a full-time dad, which he has a son and a daughter, if I'm correct. And... He's going to be like a part-time wrestler. So he stepped back and offered his opportunities to young guys. But in that moment, he realized that he failed himself when he put himself on the back burner. And he realized that in this moment, he's got a lot more ambition than the than test than that test could even show that he knew that he had he needs to be in a main event of WrestleMania. Which they're literally teasing you that we might get a triple threat between Edge, Brian, and Roman, which, quite frankly, I don't mind. Now, in the last three weeks, he wrestled more, and he and he's being honest right here. He wrestled more matches than Roman and Edge in the last three matches, and he comes out every single week wrestling for the love of what he does and putting himself on the back burner 
he did himself a disservice because he knows he can be the absolute best. And he mentions that he steps in the ring with Jey Uso. And if he wins, he gets a title match at Fastlane. And that's the only way he can get into the main event of WrestleMania. Out comes the head chief, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, and Paul Heyman. Now, Roman says that, look, Brian, you're the same guy, but you sound different. And I'm confused at this notion that he that you could be ambitious or driven. And he calls Brian an underdog, the little guy. Mmm, kind of like WrestleMania 30, huh? Kind of like that WrestleMania 30 build. A lotto winner, the guy who waits for an opportunity, and sometimes it works out. He talks about how since he was a kid, he's taken what he's wanted. And says Brian doesn't, doesn't love wrestling because he needs it because he has nothing else. And I love this line right here. Love isn't based on needs. It's based on service. Nice line by Roman Reigns right there. And he uses himself as an example. He loves this business. Doesn't need to do it, but he does because everyone needs him. And Brian will accept this, that he soon needs uh, Reigns. And when he does, you'll acknowledge me. Now, Uso, he snatches the mic away from Daniel Bryan and says that as this is as close you can get that you're going to get to being the universal champion. Now, of course, Jay tried to do a sneak attack, but Bryan just hip tosses him. And that was a really strong opening segment, in my honest opinion. And it got me even more excited to see Daniel Bryan possibly being added, which we know it might not happen because... WWE is going to do Edge versus Roman, and that's pretty much the plan that they got right now. So, really good opening segment, a strong opening segment. Great promo by both Brian and Roman, just stepping up their game. So, our first match, we get Montez Ford versus Baron Corbin. I did not care about this match at all. Baron Corbin won with the end of days, which is one of the most protected finishers in all of pro wrestling. Now, Angelo Dawkins, he came in and attacked Sami Zayn because Sami Zayn helped, and I'm doing this in air quote, he helped Baron Corbin. So then we get this match after the commercial, and again, I did not care about this match. And Angelo beats uh, Sami Zayn with a pinfall, a schoolboy pin, and that's that. Now, Sami, he interrogates a man on his documentary crew, his documentary crew and he doesn't recognize um he's shaking him down and hammering him with a knee to the gut so that was that I mean did not care about it now Carmella finds Reginald and she wants to play a game about a snake accusing him of betraying her and he's claiming that oh I'm just doing this for for you and she pretty much calls Reginald a snake and slaps the wine tray and says that he's fired. And then later during the show, he's... Well, this was... I'll, I'll save that for later. I'll save it for later. So we had Chad Gable and Dominic Mysterio. I mean, they had a okay match. Wasn't really bothered with it, but... I did like the La, La Casita. Or the La Magistra. Love that, uh... The way Dominic did it. But, um... Looks like this is a feud going on between... 
Otis and Gable versus the Mysterios. Okay. Okay. Now, Seth Rollins, he's backstage. He has this little interview with Kayla Braxton. And he accuses Cesaro of being afraid of him. And his movement. And says that he wanted to humiliate him. And he'll never forget that. And out comes, oh my goodness, they found Murphy. And he was thinking that perhaps he could assist Seth with the Cesaro situation. But Rollins tells him to get out of my sight. Didn't even look at him. Just get out of my sight. Because he still remembers what he did to him during that Mysterio Rollins storyline. So we got Shayna Baszler and um, Bianca Belair. They announced on Fat that at Fastlane, Shayna and Bianca, not Shayna and Bianca, Shayna and Nia are gonna defend their titles against Sasha and Bianca. And I'm like, we've seen this match at the last pay per view. Why are you doing it again? This is the definition of. L-A-Z-Y. Lazy. This is lazy booking 101 because what about the Riot Squad? Oh, that's right. We jobbed them out against Natalia and Tamina, who are a team now. What about Naomi and Lana? They're a future number one contender. Oh, that's right. Naomi got jobbed out in two minutes. Like, what do you do? And now NXT's getting their own women's tag team division? And I'm like, you don't need it. You don't need it. Yes, like I said in my previous rant, I'm like, yeah, you got a stack load of women, but you don't really need an NXT Women's Tag Team titles. Because it just kills the purpose of intertwining between all three brands. Like, I'm just saying. But Bianca Belair, she defeated Shayna Baszler with the KOD. And you got Reginald uh, just trying to check up on Sasha because you know he has a thing for Sasha Banks. Now, Banks, she slapped Reggie, tells her to stay out of my business, and before we get to Murphy and Cesaro, let's just fast forward a little bit, he's trying to knock on Sasha's door where she opens, and she immediately tells him no. So, he's walking away in the back, and you see... Shayna Baszler and Nia just mocking him while Shayna literally mocks him. But Nia all of a sudden thinks that he's kind of cute. And I'm thinking to myself, oh God, are they really about to pair Reginald with Nia Jax? And I saw someone on Twitter bring up that, oh, Reginald is the James Ellsworth of of now. Like he's literally the James Ellsworth. But And I'm like, that's a weird comparison, but okay. But... Dear God, just imagining that. No, 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 no. And if this leads to a dissension and Shayna goes off on her own, by all means. By all means, I think it's a nice move. Just get Shayna out of this women's tag title predicament and put her in a singles feud. Like, I don't know, um, Oscar. Or all women's championship. WrestleMania. And like, I'm just saying, it's the right thing to do. But rewinding, we have Buddy Murphy and Cesaro. You talk about Murphy coming back and this whole fiesta with with Aaliyah Mysterio and Murphy, how that got turned shot down, and now he's back to square one. He gets a jobber entrance and he gets squashed by Cesaro, who, by the way, is getting the push, which I don't mind. So he beats 
Sizzle, he beats um Murphy with the uh, with the um giant swing into the sharpshooter, which I like, and it looks like they're teasing the feud between um Seth Rollins and Cesaro, which I think these two are gonna put on a great match. I think these two are gonna put on a great match. Out comes Apollo. Now I love this new version of Apollo. I know people have mixed feelings about Apollo doing the Nigerian accent. But if he's going all out, then damn it, I think he's he's doing everything in his power to make it look perfect, and he's killing it. He's killing it. He gets on the mic, and he says that everybody is telling him how they don't like this new version of Apollo. Oh, I'm sorry. And the good news is that this isn't the new Apollo. He is the real Apollo. And he, this is who he is. This is how he talks. Not really. I know this is not how he really talks. But he's a real African-American, and this is his Nigerian elite guards who have protected his family's wealth for many generations, which he had two guards with him during his entrance. He talks about his father telling him stories about the heritage and how he was ashamed to accept them because he's he'd be made fun of. And all he wanted to do was fit in, just like how babyface Apollo Crews tried to fit him, and it backfired. So... His so-called friends just wanted to mock him and ask rude questions. Like, he used example of roll, if he rode lions to school. Now, he says that his ancestors were among the most feared and respected warriors in Nigeria. And he talks about Big E, who is going to be returning next week. They showed vignettes of him uh, returning next week. And he tried to conquer him and humble him. And he knows he's at home afraid, but... He's very excited that he's coming back next week. And he's demanding another match for the Intercontinental Championship. And he'll leave E a broken man for the rest of his life, haunted by his complete and total victory. So, I love this new Apollo Crews. I know people may say he should drop the Nigerian accent. It's not working, but I think he's doing a great job as this new heel. So, he's literally been a highlight of the show. And I'm like, man... This is what I like to see. This is the Apollo Crews I want. Like, he's hitting all cylinders right now. And I think you gotta, res- you gotta respect that. So, we get to Ding Dong Hello because they have nothing for Bailey, which, wink wink, use my idea about Bailey attacking Io Shirai after her match with Tony Storm, challenging her for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver. Like, I'm just saying, it's a great idea. And I think everyone would like that match because Bailey is not doing anything on SmackDown. So it's pretty much she's reading mean tweets or is like she says sweet tweets about herself. And the first two are praises and the third one is just frustration and she just gets up, exits through the Senate, slamming the door. And I'm like, hmm, who could this be about? Can it be somebody from NXT? I'm just saying. I think that would be perfect. But um, that would be nice if if somebody from NXT, because who is Bailey facing at WrestleMania? I don't think anybody. I think if she goes to Takeover, that will make the most sense, and go after <clears throat> the NXT Women's Championship. I'm, I'm just saying, it's a good idea. I'm working for free. Then we get the steel cage match, which. To the surprise of no one, this was good, as always. And 
Daniel Bryan, he won with the yes lock. And you know Jay was trying to get to the ropes, which in a steel cage match, there's no rope breaks. So you're either left for dead or you just try and find a way to fight it. And Jay was left for dead and he tapped out. And so at Fastlane, we get Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns. For the uh, Universal Championship, which I'm looking forward to. I think that's going to be a really great match. So, that's that. That is SmackDown, which I thought was slightly better than Monday Night Raw. And, um, that that's all I could say right here. But, anyway, I am getting the heck out of here. I want to say thank you all so much for, uh... Tuning into this episode of No One's Ready for Wrestling, even though I botched it in the beginning. And I hope you enjoyed episode 106. So, as usual, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Shino D Phoenix. Make sure you like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. And also, also, if you have a Twitch channel, follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. And I will see you guys next time for my thoughts and reactions about AEW Revolution. So until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can, and this phoenix flies off. I'll talk to y'all later. Peace out.